This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Ready Player One. Oh, I've got my coins ready. Do you? Do-do-do-ding. Wait a minute. I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hi! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly, we cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 322, 322. 322, not 321, contact. Not... <laughs> correct. <laughs> not 321, contact. Callback! <laughs> and this week we are discussing Ready Player One, the latest from director Steven Spielberg. That's always exciting. And joining us tonight to discuss Ready Player One, we have from the Psych Show, all the way from Shermer Hill High School, it's Ali Matu. What's up? Also joining us from the Lambcast, he just wants to pop open a tab and play some Robotron, it's Jay Cluett. Hello. How are the two of you doing this evening? Or this morning, evening? for some of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Evening? Doing well, thank you, sir. I'm excited to have this conversation. Good. No, yeah, glad to... Ali, glad to have you back. I feel like it's been... What was it, Blade Runner? Who was the last one? Was that... Were you I on? I think so. I think that was Blade Runner. All, all yeah. the science scientific ones. I know. All the sci-fi <laughs> kind of stuff. And then Jay, I think it's been a, quite a minute, minute since... I think it's been a while on. since we had yeah, Jay on. This is my annual May-April <laughs> kind of show. Last time was, was Kong Skull Island, and before that was Batman v Superman. So this yeah. is... I, I think me being on your show lets the listeners know that spring is coming. Yeah. Or if not already here. So it's that time of year. You're the out now groundhog. There we go. <laughs> I'm afraid I saw a shadow this year. <laughs> but yeah, no, good to have you guys here. I'm looking forward to talking about Ready Player One with you all, but we got some show notes to go into first, so let's do just that. Uh, first up, new commentary track. We do a commentary track every month, and this month we talked about the Big Lebowski. Brandon, Yancey, Jim, and I, we went into the Big Lebowski in full detail. It was a fun commentary track to do. We packed it with information. Like, we, I was, I've been skeptical about doing certain comedies just because I feel like yeah. I just kind of want to watch the whole time. But no, we were very happy to talk about the Big Lebowski so, and so the Coen Brothers. So it's not more of a commentary, it's kind of more of a lecture. I mean, it's it's like it's it's a it's a four person conversation as that 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 happens to go along with the time limit of a movie, uh, but it was good. It's a good. It was it's it's um, ranks probably high amongst the one. And I generally think we do a pretty good job of these commentaries. But this is a. I was surprised how much information okay. we got. We packed into two hours talking about just the Big Lebowski and things related to it. But yeah, so that's on iTunes now. If you want to check that out, what else? iTunes reviews and ratings. Good to get those. Uh, if you can log into iTunes, you can search for Out Now There and Abe. You can give us a star rating. That'd be cool. You can give us a written review. That'd be even cooler. Yeah, gracias. Yeah. Okay. I think that's all for that. So let's move on. Let's get to let's get to know everybody. We're two, we ask each other a question or two. Try to set tone, try to set the tone for the podcast. I better get to know no, everybody. No, everybody. Oh, that's good. Participation for everybody. That was that's, great. That's good. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Abe, you have a question for us? I've got a question for you guys. Is there a movie reference that you will never get tired of seeing? Like a reference in a movie to another movie mm-hmm. that you will never get tired of seeing. Uh, I mean, it's always, it's always fun when Batman oh. shows up and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is. That's true. It is fun with Batman shows and some, some stuff. Not necessarily a movie referencing another movie, but one reference that I always enjoy making or thinking about when it happens is uh, "You Got Red on You" uh, with Shaun of the Dead. I 
anytime I see, even if it's completely not like ink, if it's just actual blood, I just think you got red on you. <laughs> that's that's kind of what it goes goes across my mind. <laughs> I just I love whenever Klingons are referenced. Like I, I think the opening of Kin- Kill Bill is um, "Revenge is a uh, dish best served cold." Old Klingon yeah. proverb. So I just love it when Klingons are represented. I like it. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of anything specific. I mean, I just I just I'm with Aaron. I like the Shaun of the Dead references. Classic. That's a classic. Uh, no, I I just like all any and all references. I don't think I'll ever get tired. Yeah, it's kind I of... I will allow it. Well, I think we'll talk about this with Ready Player One, but I, I am curious kind of the ratio of groaning towards certain references versus appreciation for the fact that it was made to begin with. I wonder what that that kind of overall ratio is, how that works for the most part. Oh, spoiler alert, zero groaning from me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, whoever's groaning in that movie deserves to, to like be locked out of movies forever. I'll tell you I right now. Like, the lack of some references. I, I, I very much enjoyed a lot of the references, but my eyes did roll quite a bit during some of the gags <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> we'll get to it. Um, Alright, I got a question for you guys. Okay. You're going to a big dance. Who hmm. do you dress up as? Oh, Ooh, the big dance. <laughs> the, the only time that this has happened was as Shaun of the Dead. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> and you dressed so as Nick Frost, of course. <laughs> no, no I, I dressed as Shaun. I should have dressed as Nick Frost. <laughs> I have more of a Nick Frost body type than I do Shaun, than I do Simon Pegg. But uh, no, yeah, it's a very easy costume to throw together. You just get a white shirt and you spill some red paint on it and get a red a red tie. Then you're done. Yeah. <laughs> Ash seems to be an easy one for me for some reason. He always have like a pair of khakis and like a blue shirt, and you know, they just you know grab mm. one of those shotguns that's lying around, especially here. I mean, it's just. And then if you've got if you've got a hat and some sunglasses, you turn that Ash into a Doctor Grant. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> there you go. Get a neckerchief going, and you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have the neckerchief. Yeah. That's a two-in-one costume right there, guys. <laughs> You, you start. You, if anything, you, yeah. if anything, you start out you start as Doctor Grant. The, the party. You start. You start out as Doctor Grant. Then you move into Ash as the night goes on. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you just you move into the more soiled Doctor Grant from later in the film, surely. Yeah. Well, then, but then you start messing with people. You tell them both that you're both characters. You tell one person one thing. You tell the other person the other thing, and then it's just like, oh, okay. Uh, I like that a lot. I'm gonna go with the shadow. That's uh, who I dress up as. Oh, because you want to hide your face. Uh, yeah. Go past cave. Ali, I just assume you're cooking up some Star Trek reference here. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I was going to, but then I'm going to switch gears and go with um, Undercover McFly from Back to the Future 2 oh, at <laughs> the high school dance. Yeah, yeah. In leather and stuff with the walkie-talkie. With the giant walkie-talkie. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. I like it. Get something inconspicuous! <laughs> And it's like I think it's it, he says that, and then it's like a smash cut to him wearing like the most ridiculous, non conspicuous right. costume. <laughs> right, right. A hat, sunglasses, yeah. leather coat, and a walkie-talkie. Yeah. In the fifties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than that life preserver, I guess. Right. It took me a long time to understand that reference. I didn't get until I was like much older. I was like, oh, I I guess that makes sense. It was after you almost drowned in that <laughs> lake, right? <laughs> yeah, and I needed the vest to you save that me. vest, and you're like, "Oh, I get you said it as you were being saved." Oh, that Back to the Future reference makes oh, sense. Oh, that dork in his life preserver thing makes sense to me now. <laughs> oh, McFly. Uh, all right, yeah. let's get to our poll. 
Um, each yep. week we've been doing polls lately, um, putting movies against each other. Um, you save one while destroying the other from existence, which means all history changes because of this change as well. Um, and so mm-hmm. we did a nostalgia edition on this week's episode. We had, speaking of which, Back to the Future versus The Matrix, um, mm-hmm. which is our most voted in poll yet, I should note. I uh, got a lot of reach with this one. Um, and so I'll, I'll emphasize the fact that choosing Back to the Future or choosing The Matrix means that you eliminate the other, uh, as in director's oh, careers change, actor's career paths change, social uh, social commentary or visual effects can be changed in some way, pop culture references do certain things change. So it's, it's, a, it's a real... <laughs> I try to make it as difficult as possible, basically. You're creating a new parallel timeline by destroying... Pretty much. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I'm very yeah, much this is a big this. deal. Mm-hmm. So to to ask you guys, let's start with Ali. What would you choose between these two? The Matrix. As <laughs> wipe in, it out. So wipe out the Matrix. That's what you're saying. Wipe, wipe out it Matrix. out. Wipe it out. I, I think the cultural footprint of Back to the Future. I want to retain that, and I'm okay wiping out the Matrix primarily because the rest of the series, um, like whatever about. I, I love the original, but I can I can do away with it if it preserves Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. This is okay. the part where I point out that I famously like Reloaded more than The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, what about you? I am in complete agreement. Uh, for the same reasons, also, I'm not a big fan of the first Matrix film either, let alone the sequels. Um, I've only seen the sequels once a piece, I think. I, I, I just kind of saw them once. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Uh, but Back to the Future, that whole trilogy is is three amazing films, in my opinion. Um and I don't. If if we lost the Matrix, we'd lose all of the attempts at the Matrix since it was made. None of which have been terribly good. So I don't see a, a downside to this scenario. We might not get John Wick, I suppose. Yeah, that's exactly what I was. I was like, okay, well, if we do with the Matrix, then I guess we don't really get action Keanu Reeves and John Wick and John Wick Two, which are pretty good. But the cultural relevance of Back to the Future is fantastic, and I I would agree with uh, Ali and, and Jay there. Just uh, you have like a, I like the first one; it's decent. Um, it kind of blew my mind when I saw all the strings and the 360 camera stuff, the bullet time effect. But at the same time, it's like you know two mediocre follow-ups. And uh, while I've grown to like the themes in the Matrix uh, much more, it's like yeah, the significance of Back to the Future is is, is very great, and I think that really launched a whole level of. Um, of uh, kind of like this ingenuity in movie making, especially with Bob Zemeckis uh, doing some of his aging effects and stuff like that too. So yeah, Back to the Future, it's I would just, keep safe. It's just makeup. I mean, it's, not, it's, it's nothing revolutionary about it. <laughs> but we've got hydrators and level four to reheat a pizza. Come so, on. So I'll say this, because I would choose the Matrix to save and the Back to the Future to get rid of, mainly because the stamp that that movie leaves behind versus Back to the Future. I don't think we don't get certain movies because Back to the Future doesn't exist. It doesn't do anything to the rest of filmmaking by not making that movie. We lose DeLoreans, I guess, and funny references to things. But if I was going to be absolutely cutthroat about it, The Matrix actually did change filmmaking. Back to the Future didn't change filmmaking. Aaron, you basically <laughs> want to preserve Christian Bale's equilibrium. I, I think this is what... <laughs> One movie. <laughs> yeah. This is what you're saying here. It's called Gunkata. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, among other things, yes. That's what I'm saying. I'm saving equilibrium out of all this. I don't think we wouldn't get John Wick if there wasn't a Matrix, although he did work with those stunt people. But at the same time, you were getting a lot of action Keanu Reeves besides the Matrix at that point. Yeah. I mean, and, we, and, you know, we, we still uh, get Johnny Mnemonic if we get rid of the Matrix. I, that's exactly that's like well, a question. Well, you. Question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we've got speed 
Keanu, which is a pretty good Keanu. As I said, there's plenty of action Keanu. That's still, regardless, I, <laughs> if I had to be absolutely truthful about it, because I love both movies, but I, I think we'd be losing less if we got rid of Back to the Future. That's just how I... Mm. But if, if we it. lose Back to the Future, then we lose that Doc Brown cameo in A Million Ways to Die in the West, and that's not a world I want to live in. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's just one more also, reason why we, that movie might not exist. So I kind of <laughs> want to live in that world now. <laughs> Aaron, we lose, we lose DeLoreans. I like, pointed no out DeLoreans. One would care. Yeah. No one no, cared. No. no one cared before the movie about DeLoreans uh, when yeah, they when uh, they were you know, first it built. It kind of really wasn't relevant during either. But I like where Ali's head is at. We lose DeLoreans. <laughs> <laughs> I still, and I still think Bob Zemeckis, he'd just do something else. Like, he's not a not-creative person. He'd find another movie he could That's put, yeah. put He's his, always experimenting with all the different and... forms of media and, and showing his ideas on the screen. Getting so. to the results of the poll, um, you guys certainly won this, because Back to the Future does have 67% of the vote versus 33% of the vote. That's heavy. I just like to think I thought this yeah. a little bit more through. <laughs> Why is everything so weighty in the future? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the result of this poll. Always going to do these. I know. I, I I like making people sweat as they're choosing which uh, which film to get rid of. Um, this certainly worked to an extent because uh, regardless of the results, there was a lot of uh, hesitation about what to do. Uh, so yeah, we'll keep doing these polls as long as uh, they keep growing. They keep getting more popular. So you know, it's working. No, that's good. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep doing them. I guess everyone everyone gets angry at us for like an hour a day a week. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. That's how you play. No, no everybody. Wait, no. Is that no everybody or is that the poll? That it's still part of no everybody. It's part of no. Everybody. Oh, it's part of no. Oh, okay. The no everybody box was still open. I did not close yeah. that box. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. All right. Uh, let's move on. Out no quickies. Yep. Each one out my way. We do it. It was really we time out no quickies. Trademark. That was good. I thought so. Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? I did. Uh, Batman, the entire series, has been on Netflix, so I watched uh, Batman Returns. And uh, much to my chagrin, it wasn't as good as I remember when I was like eight. And then I watched Batman Forever, and I was like, yeah, no, it's still bad. And then uh, <laughs> I, I watched Wolf Warrior and Wolf Warrior 2. I finished both. And we definitely will probably have like, you know, like a fun, fully spoiler like commentary on it. But if it, it's exactly everything that. Uh, that you might not notice about like American heroism movies, but for China. And it's just like, yeah, you know, if you don't think that Mark Wahlberg saving the world by himself is ridiculous enough, uh, then you should watch this movie and be like, oh, that's that's what everyone else is seeing. Oh, okay. Mm. So it's it's actually um, a lot of interesting things to discuss. So yeah, that's what I've been watching. Everything you've said about Wolf Warrior, I was just not listening to because I'm like, how? What? Bat- Batman Returns? Not good. What are you talking about? This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> And then Batman, the dialogue. And then Batman Forever, <laughs> which we did a commentary for. Like, <laughs> we did a commentary for both I, Batman. We've done about we've done a commentary for we've yeah. done a commentary for three we've out of four both. Batman movies by the right at this point. We haven't done Rob, Batman and Robin yet. Have you done we'll a commentary get... yet on Seals uh, Kiss from a Rose from Batman Forever? I mean, we we, we, we a spent a lot of time in the Forever commentary talking about his, <laughs> and as we well could. as okay. well as a U2's "Hold Me, Kill Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Thrill Me." Yeah, we talked uh, about the soundtrack, but that, that might be a spinoff, though, Ali. We might do a whole entire like just a three-minute commentary on a song on the music. I, video. I would watch. I would listen to that. So just three hard. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ali. What have you been watching? 
Uh, you know, so I had a baby last summer, and I'm catching up on all the films that I missed uh, because I was delirious and sleep deprived. <laughs> so um, I did a double feature. Um, I did Justice League and then Thor Ragnarok. Oh, um, oh and I did well. Yeah, that was an interesting uh, two films to watch back to back. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, um, my my wife had not um, been exposed to any of the controversy surrounding uh, Superman's uh, CGI mouth. And the very first scene of Justice League is just this little clip of Superman. And she just walked by and she's like, what the heck is wrong with his mouth? So I, I knew I was in for quite an adventure there. But um, I got to say, I love Thor Ragnarok. I just had so much fun watching that. It was, it was just a joy in the soundtrack and it, it was all just so not what I expected, and I, I loved it. All right. Well, glad, glad you were able to catch Same up here. and have fun with at least one of those movies. Um, I did. I did. Jay, how about you? Uh, I did not have a child last year, but I am also still catching up on films <laughs> from last year. Okay. Uh, so last night I watched Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, based entirely on your recommendations on this show, because <laughs> I have heard nobody else say anything I'm, I'm positive waiting, about it. I'm waiting for like, the other two to drop. <laughs> Uh, it was better than I expected. Oh, all right, uh, all right. Because I was expecting Jupiter ascending, and it was better than Jupiter ascending. This count. This counts as a win in the win column, right? That's what this, <laughs> yeah. this, this. My wife hated it. She wondered why I put her, put her through this interminably long, terrible film. Um, but I thought, apart from the two leads, it was great. Uh, I I I don't mind Dane DeHaan. I don't mind Cara Delevingne as people. I don't think they're great as as actors. Um, well, Dane DeHaan's been good in other things, but I, yeah. I just kept on in my mind replacing him with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and the film was better in my mind. <laughs> Interesting. I've never I, thought about a replacement. The but... only thing I think of of Dane DeHaan in that movie specifically is Keanu Reeves in Point Break. Like that seems like what he's playing. Like it seems like he's very deliberately doing that. Like every time, every the way he speaks, the way he says things, it it feels like he's channeling dumb Keanu Reeves. <laughs> but also at some point, sometimes Batman, because he puts on a gravelly voice. For no real reason, and it's just kind of irritating to watch. Uh, but you know, I can say it, it was. It could have been a lot worse. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's meandering. It's too long. The effects are pretty good. You know, it's it's, it's a fun film. You could do a lot worse. Glad Jay, I think that. you just convinced me to watch it. That's another thing I'm going to add to my queue. It's on Amazon Prime. It is. Oh, perfect. It's, it's very Sold. easy to watch. You can watch it right it's after like, this. It's Sold. on Netflix in the UK. That's where oh. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, along with Annihilation. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It all works out. (laughs) All right. Um, I've watched a couple things that I want to make note of because I want to keep going. Uh, First up, I mentioned last week that the Santa Clarita Diet is back on Netflix for season two. This is the show of Timothy Oliphant and Drew Barrymore. Um, I've watched the first half of the second season so far, and it is still really good. Um, I was not a fan of the first two episodes of the first season, and I kept going, and it's like, oh, this got way better. And the second season's like, yep, this is still way better. Um, it's it's just a really entertaining show. Um, it's about Drew Barrymore dies, comes back as a zombie, not a traditional zombie. <laughs> it's just like more. <laughs> it's like a one of those fun loving zombies as opposed to like a dead. And oh, like not a fast action or a slow walking. It's more of a I'm a regular person still. I just happen to be undead and I like to eat meat now. A human mm-hmm. meat and not just regular meat. Right. Um, but she, uh, Timothy Oliphant is her husband. Um, they live in Santa Clarita. It's kind of a, it's kind of like a suburban satire, um, and so it, it does a really good job of being just sp- uh, continuously funny as well as like crazy gory in random scenes, and it's just quite good. I, I really enjoy the show. 
It's only and it's like hear. it's like ten episodes each season. It's only half hours. So it's like this is a quick watch. They're fast paced and fun. Um, the other thing I wanted to make note of that I watched this week is the Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling. This is the HBO oh, yeah, they... the HBO documentary that Judd Apatow directed um, about Gary Shandling and his professional career um, and you know his life and how he eventually died. Um, it's really good. This is maybe the best. No, not maybe. This is like the best thing uh, Judd Apatow's directed since I guess Funny People. <laughs> if I had to like go into, if I had to think about it, um, and I really like Funny People, but like I mean, it's yeah. been a while since I like saw a Judd Apatow film that I really liked, not just like produced, but like something he directed. But no, it's a really strong documentary. It's two parts, so it's a total of like four hours or something like that. But you get a lot of you get a lot of great interviews. You get all this insight about Gary Shandling's career as a comedian, as a person that made two big hit TV shows in its day. Um, a lot of people that knew him uh, that everyone's familiar because it's just a lot of comedy people that you already know um just really strong stuff uh really and you know it gets emotional at times too as far as the type of life he was living what he was going through and how he's how, how it was moving with uh, how it was kind of affecting him as a person as well as uh as well as a comedian uh, so yeah just uh if you have hbo really good recommendation right there that's a good it's a good one to watch so yeah, that's uh, I know cookies. Yeah, let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk. We talk about some of the news movie trailers of the week when they're coming out, what we thought of it, and what have you. We're almost getting behind on trailers at this point, but I wanted to go over this one because it seems to tap specifically into nostalgia. It is the Christopher Robin movie. This is the upcoming fantasy comedy drama, I guess. <laughs> uh, starring. I didn't, I didn't think that those were the genres that it was going to fall into. <laughs> well, I mean, it stars Ewan McGregor. It stars dramatic star Ewan McGregor as comedy icon Christopher Robin, of course, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, who's now grown up and has his fantasy friend Winnie the Pooh. See, I, I tied it all in. It all it all makes yeah, sense. But go. no, yeah, Ewan McGregor stars as a businessman named Christopher Robin, who you know, obviously, when he was a boy, was had friends with, with Winnie the Pooh in the, in the you know the the gang from the Hundred Acre Wood, and now he's an adult. He seems to have some kind of midlife crisis, I assume, and Winnie the Pooh comes back in his life, as it happens. Uh, the film is directed by Mark Forrester, who's had a variety of different movies that I don't like, and also sometimes do like. Um, but uh, all that said, let's start with Jay. Jay, what do you think of the trailer? Uh, <laughs> I showed it to my wife and hid the name of it, so she didn't know what it was going to be. And when Winnie the Pooh appeared, just the biggest eye roll. <laughs> uh, another <laughs> Disney adaptation. Um, I I think this all looks a bit hook to me. Um, it's it's early days. It's just a teaser trailer. Uh, I I like you know I like Haley Atwell since he's playing his wife. I like Mark Gattis. He's he's great in things and he's playing his boss. But I I don't yet see the the need for this film. I'm not a big fan of Disney's live actionification of their other properties. Although I was thinking about it, I don't think I've ever actually seen a Winnie the Pooh movie. I remember vaguely watching a TV series when I was a kid, but my connection to the the, the character is is just through pop culture. Uh, so this this could be interesting, but it just looks a bit dull at the moment. Um, but the guy who's doing the Winnie the Pooh voice, I think it's Jim Cummings. Yeah, it's fantastic. He's got that down. So yeah, he sounds like Car. So he sounds like Winnie the Pooh. And Chris O'Dowd is apparently playing Tigger, so I'm on board. Ali, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you? Um. It, I liked Winnie the Pooh a lot growing up, and um, you know what I didn't like about Winnie the Pooh, or I didn't care about? Uh, Christopher Robin. Robin. <laughs> 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 never interested. That dude only shows up in the bookends of shows. Right, 
Right. He was never like the central character of uh, of Winnie the Pooh. That would be Winnie the Pooh. So uh, I'm I'm with Jay here. I, I like the cast. I, I like everyone who's involved. I'm also with Aaron here. Our director has a uh, mixed history uh, when it comes to um, uh, the films that he's made in, in terms of what I've enjoyed. So um, this is probably not something I'm going to see unless you guys really see it and recommend it or you know it, it's like universally acclaimed um well, it's either, <laughs> so, so, so hold on it neither it either needs the out now seal of approval or critical regard by everybody else <laughs> that's usually how i judge whether i'm gonna see something <laughs> you see now i'm gonna watch um uh, what's that movie i'm gonna watch jay with valerian, valerian. the see it works. Yeah. It's one of those two things need to happen. So I think I'll wait to hear from you guys about well, if, if whether we, or not to see this. We should secretly be brainwashing your child to love everything related to Winnie the Pooh, and then he'll just be she'll, <laughs> she'll just be wanting to see it, and then you know it could happen that way. It hey, could happen. Hey, how about you? I'm excited as well. I, I, there's a lot of, I guess, a lot of cool people that are involved in this. That that you know, Crystal Dowd's also in our script. Um, he plays the anger captain, but. Um, there's just a weird, I guess, twist to it. And the twist is that Christopher Robin has grown up and he's got a job and he's got to leave it or he's, he's got to keep working so that they can make more money for the company. But like what you're like the way that you described it, Aaron, in the beginning, it's like, is this some sort of midlife crisis that you're having that you need to have a drop dead friend kind of movement or like what's going on here? So as much as I like the Winnie the Pooh animated movies, um, I think what it came out where one of them came out like um, not too long ago, like three years ago, four years ago. Like those are good, but they're all fully animated. And this one, I'm just curious. They're all decidedly to... different from this. Yes, that's true. Yeah, they're still focused on the the hundred acre wood and whatever else. But I'm curious as to how this one's going to roll out because uh, I'm I'm a fan of Paddington. Aaron turned me on to Paddington and Paddington Two. And so it's kind of neat to see how how that works out. But Paddington is is decidedly different than Winnie the Pooh in terms of their personalities and however they interact with the with the world. So um, I'm mixed bag on this. They're very different bears, aren't they? they, they well, one is an actual bear, <laughs> right? And uh, that wears a coat and a hat, and the other one is like a stuffed bear that comes alive the with imagination. <laughs> they're they're very it's very uh, British and American bear stylings. You know, one one bear is just much more into uh, eating honey, um, and the other is just a little bit more fancy. I believe Paddington's an immigrant, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, they are. They are both British creations let's believe <laughs> don't take that away from me <laughs> um, but I, I i kind of could see the chris robin taking the direction of you mcgregor still trying to live his business life and also trying to hide these uh, animal stuffed animal creations following him to work in a hijinks ensue mr yeah. popper's penguins kind of way mr popper's penguins we'll never talk about that movie <laughs> Oh, anyway, Aaron, I, what are what are your thoughts? I don't talk about the the movie because I didn't see it because I didn't want to because I like the book, Mr. Popper Penguin. The book so is much. fantastic. It's, I read it like four it, times in third grade. What it also looks it looked decidedly different from the movie. It was like I don't want any part of this. So that's, that's <laughs> why I never never got involved in that whatsoever. Um, speaking of which, because it is a Jim Carrey movie, Jim Carrey's in the Gary Shandling documentary, and he's really like it's such a like oh this is nice to see him shaven and talking like a normal person again. I haven't seen that in a while. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I haven't seen that in a while either. <laughs> um, 
regardless, this movie will definitely make money. I, I, mean, I can tell you, I can tell you that yeah. right now. <laughs> this movie's gonna make money. Um, buy shares in Christopher Robin. Yeah, you should do that right now. You should make all the bets you can about the money that Christopher Robin's gonna make. Because this movie looks like it's just every every kid or everyone that's just like not cynical about this sort of thing is like, yeah, why not? It's a poo movie, but I need to see right. this. And people love you, McGregor. Um, for the most part, and he's you know playing English, so that's a nice change of pace because uh, his, his inexplicable popularity in America with his terrible American accents is just off-putting to me. Uh, but here he's you know he's doing. I like Ewan McGregor, so we'll, we'll see. I I don't know what kind of faith to have in this because Mark Forrester does tend, tend to rub me the wrong way, and he's done it enough times where I'm like I just don't care every time you do something. But I've more or less been okay with these Disney things and this is less of a remake and more of a what if you what if winnie the pooh was like ted like that's that seems like the, the basic he's going through the beginning of the uh, of the trailer and he's like but it's christmas it's like you got to do it again it's like wow this just reminds me of james con and elf it's like uh, but i promised a family i was gonna be there for, for the holidays it's like yeah so anyway yeah I, I find it fascinating that there's a lot of like weird like is this gonna be a ted thing where it's just Let's relive our glory days. Or, I, I, I would know. I would like it a lot if there if there actually was playing up the idea that he could just be imagining everything and he's going slowly crazy. That's not a Disney movie, but <laughs> I like that I like the sound of that movie right there. That'd be a, that'd be a turn I wouldn't expect, and I'd be like, kudos. I would stand up and applaud the movie if that happened. So as, as long as I'll, I'll be curious to see more of this. I'm just hoping it's not a lot of like Ewan McGregor like running around and he like looks behind him, is like, go away, you're not real, and then like it cuts to a shot of somebody else and they're looking. He's like, why is this crazy person yelling? nothing if it's if it's not that movie then i think i'll probably be in the right on the right track <laughs> so uh christopher robin opens august 3rd this summer so be there or be poo you know i would love to see a film adaptation of that high concept pitch meeting you know imagine winnie the pooh as ted like i i think that would make for a good story they're like greenlit <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, and the less it's like Hook, the better. Okay, that's enough of Winnie the Pooh. Let's move on. Let's get to, as our trailer talk, let's get to our main film review for Ready Player One. My name's Wade Watts. My dad picked that name because it sounded like a superhero's alter ego, like Peter Parker or Bruce Banner. But he died when I was a kid. My mom, too. And I ended up here sitting here in my tiny corner of nowhere there's nowhere left to go nowhere except the oasis a whole virtual universe People come to the Oasis for all the things they can do. But they stay because of all the things they can be. Can you feel this? Um, yeah. It's the only place that feels like I mean anything. That should have been some of the trailer for Ready Player One. Ernest Klein released a best-selling sci-fi novel in 2011. It concerns a dystopian future where virtual reality has taken over in a big way, allowing people to embrace their nostalgic love for an assortment of movies, games, music, comics, and more. This included plenty of references to Steven Spielberg films, and wouldn't you know it, the beard himself was actually interested in making this novel into a live-action feature. Ready Player One is set in Columbus, Ohio, of course, the source of so many science fiction wonder. 
and stars Ty Sheridan as Wade Watts, a kid of a real knack for playing in the Oasis, the virtual reality world where anyone can be anyone, any can be any person they want to be with the right amount of coins. The Oasis creator, played by Mark Rylance, died five years earlier, but left an Easter egg designed to provide the one who finds it with the rights to the Oasis. Wade and his friends soon find themselves on a path to unlocking the Easter egg, provided they can beat the evil Ben Mendelsohn into getting it. Lots of anticipation for this movie. Jay, did you uh, did you read the book? I did. I've read the book twice. What do you think about the the, the, the adaptation? Oh, I, I I really liked the book. Uh, I I know there's a lot of hatred online for it in part in recent months years. I don't know. Uh, but I I thought it's fantastic, and I reread it in time for the film, and it's still great. Uh, I think. Spielberg does well with uh, problematic books in terms of improving them. Um, <laughs> he he did this to wonderful effect with Jurassic Park. If you read Jurassic Park, it's a very, very science-heavy based book. It is. <laughs> and the film is far more enjoyable than reading about code and DNA. <laughs> and so he took some, uh, some of the problems with, uh, with Ready Player One um, and, and fixed them into making it a film there are there are some sequences i don't know how entertaining it would be to watch the main character play a perfect game of pac-man but i'm glad we didn't have to sit through that and so i i think as an adaptation i think he did very well yeah all right ali how about you you uh yeah I, I, i'm inclined to agree with jay i also read the book and um really enjoyed it i thought it was a celebration of a lot of stuff that i grew up loving and the film spielberg has made it much more accessible my my biggest criticism of the book was uh i questioned how much you could actually enjoy that book if you didn't know about a lot of the references in the book and a lot mm. of the video games music and all of that kind of stuff so here i think you can go into the film without really knowing too much about all of that nostalgic media and still enjoy the film for what it is but if you do know more about that source material you'll have a deeper appreciation of it so i I totally agree with jay there's one thing i didn't really like about it which is more about the characters and the relationships some of it does carry the problems of the book and some of it is is much more improved from the book so i think that part is a little bit mixed but overall i think this is a pretty good adaptation of something that I never thought a studio would be able to make given all the different type of media that they reference. Mm-hmm. Abe? And that's where Spielberg comes in. He's just like, I'm Steven Spielberg. Give me the rights to the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. It's like Kevin Eastman's is like, okay, you got it. But um, uh, I think the movie is, I, I haven't read the source material, so that's where uh, I, I'm out of the loop on it. But from what I've been reading and from what I've been hearing, it seems as though like what Ali and Jay are saying but the source material does go through, obviously, way more detail and perhaps a lot more like geek 80s nerd culture than the movie uh, does. So Spielberg probably snippeted a lot of stuff out that was superfluous or maybe it was just too niche. Like apparently uh, Rush plays a huge part in this in this movie or in this book. And um, while there's ref- Rush references, it just doesn't uh, overwhelm the movie. But I thought the movie was pretty terrific. I think there's a lot of fun to be had in the movie. I think there's a lot of cool visual references and gags. I think there's a lot of interesting things that they do in the Oasis. I think where I had some problems with it were just, um, like what Ali's mentioning, some of the characters, or maybe it was Jay that mentioned it, it some of the characters. And it just feels like, you know, it's fine that there's a love story, but it just feels like it's jammed in there. And then also um, whenever you have these, um, while they're trying to solve the mystery of these Easter eggs, you know, I I'm hundred percent certain that the book has gone into more detail and it's a little bit more satisfying 
as a reader when you figure out what how the the thing was solved because i think for one of the easter eggs or i was just like oh it seems a little bit too simple but um you know it is what it is but on the whole i think it was it was pretty fun to have uh, a watch of this movie and um kind of the first wave of what i usually do is i visually get a an overload an overload and then the second watch I'll, i'll usually go through and pick up some additional pieces in the periphery and also a little bit more in the dialogue stuff. So while the dialogue was, was okay, I think that it was a, uh, it's an enjoyable time. I, um, I enjoyed this movie. <laughs> I, I, I was ready to walk in and have a blast with it, mainly for what Spielberg would bring to it because I, I have not read the book, but I see a trailer for something like this. Or I see, and I saw that I was at the Comic-Con panel on and I were at the Comic-Con panel last year for it. And, mm-hmm. You know, you get, you get. I got a sense of like, okay, it feels more like as as much as he's adapting the book, it feels like Spielberg's been watching like all the very superhero movies and all the big tentpole spectacles that have been coming along in the years while he's been making historical epics. And he's like, all right, let me let me let me throw my hand into the into the cart on this one and see <laughs> see what I can do. And yeah, unsurprisingly, the visual effects sequence in this movie, specifically the action set pieces, are pretty mm-hmm. fantastic. I mean, there's a yeah. there's a car chase or a race early on in this movie that's exactly what it needs to be. It does all the things that I would expect from a Spielberg movie, as far as communicating me to me a sense of space, a, uh, right. a an understanding of stakes, a, a, giving me like really interesting visuals that I just don't feel like I've seen that in, in that specific way before. Like, oh, that's right there. And he does that a lot in this movie. There's a lot of really cool ways to utilize visual effects technology to make this oasis become this like this thing that I'm very curious about. When I break down the movie further, there are like some glaring issues that I have with it. Mainly it comes down to like the real world and how many questions I have, which is not necessarily <laughs> an issue. It's more of like I just I kept wondering, well, how does this work and how does that work? And it's like it's little things like it's not even nitpick. It's more of like. Wait, so if you don't have, like, an omnidirectional treadmill, like some characters do, are you just running around in the real world, like, in the middle of the street and stuff? Are there, yeah. Are there yeah ex- I had that problem, too. Are there, are there accidents? Right. Is, this a, is this a constant <laughs> problem? Is there, is there <laughs> constant, like, ambulances tra- driving around, picking up random VR people that got hit by a car? And then I wondered, well, how does the economy work in this world? If everyone's stuck in this all day... <laughs> like, there's a, there's a scene of, like, an Asian businessman in a building, and everyone else seems to not be in VR. So I was like, wait, is he just at VR at his car? Or at his, at his job like how does this work i kept like how, right. this kept occurring and it kept it bothered me to a point of like i don't quite get how this world functions that said it's not trying to necessarily answer that question it is a you know it is a matinee movie essentially it just happens to deal with some very prescient things that are most likely going to become a reality of some form eventually uh, like a pizza a pizza hut drone does not seem far out of the question right now no, um, not at all and so there's a you lot order of, with their shoes and so and so it's like i mean I was happy to go along with the kind of ride that the movie presents because there's a lot of just really fun stuff. And that's beyond just the references, just to, like the way the way we're seeing the, you know, the the way we're seeing these characters in their avatar form interact with certain things. The look of I like how it embraces how CGI the Oasis looks like. I think that's a great choice mm-hmm. because it doesn't date the movie that way. It just makes it feel like, yeah, of course, it's like that because it's a computer program. It should look right. slightly off. Like it's not trying to be photo real necessarily. That said, there is a there's a sequence midway through that very cleverly utilizes footage and the CG that I I was very impressed with. Like that was the most yeah. like, oh, that's Spielberg just having a bunch of fun right there. Like he's he's yeah. doing things I have not really seen to that degree before, which I can appreciate. Yeah. 
Um, script right. script wise, the story is pretty it's pretty generic. I mean, I, I I don't know exactly if the does the so does the book like is this like the main plotting of the book and it just has a lot more detail to go around it or is there is there's like uh, yeah, there's there's more detail to the book. It's in in the film, he's got the three keys to get. In the book, he's got three keys, and each gate, each key also has a gate, so uh-huh. it's kind of double the challenges. Okay. And okay. each challenge is several things. So it's like simplified um, versioning to make a yeah. You yeah, need like a, yeah. a four hour film or a, a ten part miniseries to okay. fully do the book, I think. But they they made some some good changes. Some of the things that happened to uh, Samantha character Samantha happened to to Wade in the book. And okay. So they kind of change things to give her more to do, and that's that's good because in in the book she kind of feels like a prize at the end. Um, she's just like she's she's the ultimate goal. This girl, and she's like, well, mm-hmm. th- now he's a character. So yeah, that's a good change. So and, wanted... and some of the changes also make it still fun and interesting for fans of the book. Like there were yeah. a lot of changes made it made to some of the challenges, but I enjoyed that. It made it um, fresh and interesting and similar to a museum that's seen in the in the movie that's done a little bit differently than in the book and it, it made for a much more um interesting visual storytelling in the film yeah, yeah. and i can yeah, i mean i can i can say it right now like as a regardless if i read the book or not um i never really concerned myself of how accurate it is because it's like i'd rather just see a really <laughs> good movie and if it happens to line up with certain things good job adapting i guess but right. at the same time the it's an adaptation it's not a literal translation yeah. so it's like and, and the part that i want to get to uh with the differences in the book and also for the movie i mean you've i haven't read it but you guys mentioned that hey there were some cuts that were good for it and what i like about it is that i'm pretty sure spielberg went through and said okay what are the things that uh, make sense and then don't make sense but also i like that he didn't necessarily stick on something and say hey look by the way here's this reference you know what i mean like it's, everything's mm-hmm. passing very quickly um in terms of the game and the movie references so that's uh, something i did appreciate the movie aaron i want to ask you i want i want to talk about your point about the like how did the world work too because i had questions about that as well and i was like okay well if everyone's just in the oasis then yeah it who is working or you know do people die in this oasis and they just like die from like <laughs> you know playing too many games because at one point when they're having a, a massive battle um they cut to the real world and kids are just running in the street with their vr goggles on. and exactly what you thought i was like are these kids gonna get hit by cars um and then at another point, like the cops show up, and I was like, "They're police in this world." Like I was genuinely shocked. I was like, "Oh, that's that's a weird thought." And I was like, "I guess that there are police in this world," but it seemed as though everyone can had hit some sort of like plateau of everyone being okay with everybody. So I was like, "Oh, well, maybe there's no crime at all." So well, it was weird. It's I mean that speaks to another point. Before we get back into the fun of this movie, it's it's an issue I have as far as far as how gaming works and how the future, which is a dystopia portrays gaming because i i mean clearly the world is falling apart so i guess everything's not perfect i mean they, i mean they mentioned like various wars at the beginning of the movie right. and like the, the you know the he's, bandwidth wars the bandwidth and he's yeah, living and, and he's living in droughts and he's living, yeah the cursor thing was actually pretty prescient and he's like, he's he's living in the slums i mean it's not like he's living a good life here so it's like there's clearly issues with this world which i guess makes sense if everybody that grew up being a gamer is now left to run the world specifically if all the white males that grew up being gamers left were left running the world yeah this is i guess how the world would be it's it's falling apart <laughs> around them as they speak um but so it's what makes so then i wonder okay so we're inside this oasis and i mean i guess it's because the perspective we're seeing where we're watching a ge- genuinely genuinely good people or you know we're following wade watts and his friends but mm-hmm. i mean 
I've I, I've game I game online. I mean, I, I know how people talk in these worlds. I know what kind of horrible things are said and things yeah, that yeah. come up, and none of that's in the Oasis. Now, again, I get that it's a Steven Spielberg PG thirteen movie, and you can't really imp- and it's not going for that kind of dark tone. But I also wonder. Yeah. It seems like we're dialing back on some of the the natural darkness that would come with the world that's full of, you know, anything essentially. An well, that's world. all embodied in T.J. Miller's character. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's the one troll. Yeah, he's he, like the troll guy, and he's just like, oh, you don't even know how the, the incantation, the spell, oh, just let me do it. That's not I've even got a nine troll, years though. Of, like, of that's, stuff the, in me. That's, that's, the, that's the nicest troll you'd ever come I'm, across. And, it's, t- and it's played by T.J. Miller. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> partially facetious. Um, but, um, yeah, let's get into the fun of this stuff here. I mean, uh, I actually do want to ask you guys, I mean, is the first challenge super difficult or and the challenge is difficult in the book that you're just like that even you can really figure it out until well, when it comes to actually doing them a couple of them in the book are you have to do a word for word script reading of a film oh wow. without looking at the script so i think the, the first one is war games so he's, he's mm-hmm. just dropped in without warning as the matthew broderick character in war games and has to live through the entire film doing and saying everything that the Matthew Broderick character <laughs> says and does in War Games, which is something I couldn't do, because I've never seen War Games. So, um, I might be okay with the second time he has to do that, yeah. with uh, the Monty Python, uh, but, but not War Games. <laughs> so, I, I, again, I'm glad they didn't do that in the film. I, like oh, the I, w- I would have hated to see a recreation of War Games for an hour yeah. and a half. Well, there, there, there's references, like there's the uh, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail reference in the film the holy hand radio antioch and i like the direction they take with the the movie walkthroughs yeah. uh but yeah the, the challenges in in the book are nuts in terms of how difficult okay. they are <laughs> wow. right. i mean to me that's con- that's conveyed in the first two challenges that was spent you know the first one specifically it's like well, that seems like a tough race <laughs> I don't, I don't know that. <laughs> it does yeah especially like, in the context of like well nobody's been able to beat it for like five or six years or something like that so i had a problem with that because i feel like how that race, how the challenge was solved, somebody should have done that in five years. Yeah, I, I thought yeah. that too. Because that, that, that's a, a a trope for how you find an Easter egg in a film, in a game. Yeah, you do that a lot. In, like, you you right open now. world, you explore the world, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Like some, yeah. Some jerks do that in Mario Kart, um, and they just like ruin your your first placeness. It's like <laughs> you jerks. Not to keep it on specifically this, but I think it might be a matter of driving really fast versus just randomly going around and checking the area out. I think that might have made the difference as well. Right. I mean, okay. that, that's specifically what he says about being going re- not just like drive over this way. It's driving really yeah. fast this way. I mean. <laughs> But 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 that first uh, that first challenge, all the references and everything that happens, I loved the shit out of that. I was like, yep. this is bonkers, <laughs> and I can visually see what's going on. And I know kind of like um, I, I'm following uh, uh, the DeLorean, and it's doing some cool shit that I was like, oh, I didn't think I didn't I would have thought to like you know slide under a tanker truck that way. So I'm I'm glad that it was really creative, especially the use of of uh, a t-rex and a king kong and i was like oh damn what i like, like is how I it's play this game. what i like is how it, it's it's having wade show us how this world works as far as like how he gets coins and things like that yeah. like it really just yeah. establishes a lot of what 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 it is to be in this world and how to you know kind of survive and go longer preserve right you don't just have like unlimited funds or whatnot um yeah Aaron, you're talking about like the uh, your sense of space here in a Spielberg film and kind of knowing where things are and what's happening. And Abe, you're talking about the pacing and that um, this movie had me at this scene because it this 
it is so uh, well edited, um, or I experienced it as being very well edited. The pacing was so fast, and I always knew what was happening. And I just so appreciated that from a superhero blockbustery kind of film. Um, I think a lot of a lot of films in this genre have been uh, a little bit longer than they needed to be, and the pacing could be improved upon. And sometimes you don't really know what's happening in an action scene. And I never really felt that in ready player one things always really made sense to me and it was just it, the time just flew by i i can agree and it almost like i don't i wouldn't say i'm taking some of this for granted but it's like i kind of walk into this movie thinking well i'm not going to be concerned with the technical the, the technical clarity of a film like from Steven spielberg like i just i feel like i'm gonna know this yeah, is gonna yeah. work for me now what works is that i mean there's a sense of wonder that comes with it because of what he's showing me whether right. it's the various challenges or just like the going to that dance club in the way like there's things like i haven't seen that before in a sustained way to that degree so it's like well yeah that's that's hitting me in a way where i'm like yeah all right not only am i getting the expect the expected spielberg touch but i'm getting it in a way where i'm still feeling surprised by getting it which is you know right. that's great I, I think that's what it was too is like the yeah you're describing exactly how I feel, which is just the surprise of it. Like we've seen these characters show before. We've all seen Wreck-It Ralph, and we've all seen other movies that use a lot of um, uh, uh, references to other movies and and properties. But um, I think the surprise of it was just cool. Just the interact, not just seeing them and and having them say you know key lines or whatever the case is, but kind of immersing yourself into the world of the Oasis. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think I. When it's- Sorry, I, I, I don't get to the, the references thing. Go for it, yeah. Because, because I, visually, like, I had no re, no major issue with, like, how visually some things are. And certainly because there are major moments that happen where I'm like, I appreciate how you're utilizing this specific reference. And so I, that's why I come down on some of the dialogue, a lot of the dialogue in this movie, because mm-hmm. I think some of it's so, I guess, on the nose would be the best way to say it. Or just, like, it's, it's nailing you on the head with what they're trying to go for, or just basic speech that some of them have. Like, I really, right. I enjoy the relationship between Ty Sheridan and uh, Lena, Lena White, um, his friend H. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, there is some, like, there's a lot of clunkiness in some of the exposition that I think is happening as far as like what, how we're establishing who certain people are and what like, yeah, there's, there's one line. What is it? It's like, she's like trying to hack your heart to get into your head or something like that. It's just yeah. like, there's little one liners and whatnot. Like, it's like, okay, like this, <laughs> it just feels so, it feels very written at times. And now I should note Ernest sure. Line did help. He did adapt this movie to into his book, into a screenplay with him and uh, Zach Penn. Like they, he, he adapted his own book. So it's like, it's coming right. from him still, which is commendable. I mean, and that, that, that makes me think that people that read the book should be inherently happy that the author of the book wrote the screenplay of the movie as well. Although I've seen the opposite, which is always strange to me. It's like, well, the, the author wrote it. I mean, what, but, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't say that. This, I mean, cause I'm trying, I, I like this I movie a lot. No, like I think, I think it's a yeah. strong Spielberg matinee, big adventure movie. And I think there's other things I want to get into also still about the, of some of the, some of the deeper themes. But it's like it's hard for me to not to not speak about these other things that did cause issue for me as far as what holds it back from being like a new Spielberg classic because I do think there's like yeah, some pretty yeah, groan worthy yeah. lines yeah. and some 
And again, I had so many questions about the real world. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> so... I, I think, the, again, it's I, I have the same problems. Everything in the Oasis I'm kind of cool and jazzed about. Everything outside the Oasis I'm just like, I don't, some of this stuff is, yeah, like what you said, it feels clunky. It's not so... even like, it's not even a separation thing, because I like a lot of the stuff in the real world. It's just more of implications that I don't have answers for. Because, <laughs> like, for example, I love the cast of this movie for the most part. Like, yeah. I think I think uh, Mark Rylance in particular this Dude, guy he, is he's amazing. Like, very, yeah. you know, like, he plays it. Mark Rylance play. He plays James Halliday, the creator of the Oasis, and he's a guy that's, you know, he's shy. And he's probably on the spectrum. Like he has this kind of thing going. It's like I like right. this performance. Like it's so like it feels so real. It feels like a person that would be this guy. Like it, it feels like a guy that right. would have like a a weird time handling certain things in life, but is completely in his zone when he's, you know, build talking about the Oasis or building the Oasis or talking to like it. And just like, and he has such a, a great sense, like a dry sense of humor about him and the way he approaches it. Like all that stuff works for me. I could say the yeah. same about Ben Mendelsohn too, who I think, I don't, yeah. I, I don't think, I, I wish he was more over the top. I don't think he'll get nearly you know, as the, much credit, Oasis. but I, 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 I think he's really good here. I think it's such he a, is, it's such a, like, <laughs> it's such a one dimensional bad guy role that he makes the most of it. And I really enjoyed well, that. I don't think he does. I, I think he's fine, but he's, it's the same kind of thing that we've seen him do before in, in Rogue One and in, in uh, Dark Knight Rises. I think, but I really like I, him I, in those movies doing the right, same thing. Like, I, I think he's, he's better when he goes more off kilter, like when he's yeah. in yeah, uh, I like him softly. Yeah, I like him. I like slimy yeah, Ben Mendelsohn a lot. I agree. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Again, more over the top, like Walton Goggins over the top would have been like, yeah. oh, holy crap. I, I, this is like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> I was thinking it should be maybe Toby Kebbell could have something more interesting. Oh, control, show, or, um, people would have been like, who? But then, because Ben Mendelsohn's a household name, everyone's everyone's constantly shouting to the wind about Ben Mendelsohn. That's what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just want every evil bureaucrat who played by Michael Shannon. <laughs> does it so well. He does do it well. I will find them. Um, I, I think that the central relationship that really worked for me was Mark Rylance and uh, Simon Pegg as the the co-creators of Speaking uh, of who the I Oasis. Wanted more, uh, I wanted more Simon Pegg like that. I wanted more I, Simon I Pegg, yeah. More clarity on their relationship, actually, because they do they do cover it, but it's like I I didn't really get the sense of there's something at the end where they they talk a little bit more about some stuff, and I was like, oh, I kind of wish that I had gotten this relationship throughout the movie, like so so I felt it more. But I'm sorry, go ahead, Ali. Uh, well, I was just gonna say one one of the things uh, AB just reminded me is the effects for those scenes. Those flashbacks are are done in like this. Uh, live action video recording recreation in the Oasis. And so you see in the Oasis this recreation of something in the outside world, but then you also see the avatars of our real people in the Oasis in this live world. So um, that effect really worked for me, and it looks like it shouldn't work. Like to see these 3D avatars in a live action scene, it, it shouldn't work. But it really worked for me, and I like that. What I like is that there's like a virtual camera in that room that's moving around them as they're talking. Almost, yeah. Almost, yeah. almost like what's that? Oh, the Matrix. It's like the Matrix a lot. It's like if it's almost well, like we, it. it's almost it's, like, it's almost like we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to get <laughs> it's almost like we wouldn't be able to get a scene like that if we didn't have the oh, Matrix. That's that's, weird. That's, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, um, but no, I agree well, with you. you know, I, I, there's a DeLorean in the movie. Yeah. yeah so, there's plenty so, of there's get, plenty of front lights. there's plenty of reference cars you could be using instead of the DeLorean to get the same movie. <laughs> the truck from over the top from Sylvester Stallone? Yes, I get it. 
<laughs> uh, I want to ask you guys about uh, I was the, the other challenges. I, I was stick on the cast for a second. I was stick on the cast for a second. Okay. Because I'm curious what you guys thought of Ty Sheridan. I think he's fine. I don't think he brings so, a lot to it himself, but I've yeah. had no problem with him. So as much as we've talked about on this show about, like, you know, the teenager saves the world kind of thing, it's just more like, you know, he's okay. I, I think that uh, it's hard for me to kind of follow a Ty Sheridan type character, like the Pers- Parzival, I should say. It, it, like, if you're in the Oasis and you're giving this, like, this giant speech, it's like, it's kind of tough for me to be like, oh, that's the guy. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's the one that um, that did all this or that that's going to change the world kind of thing. So he's okay. Well, it's the cut. So what I, why I ask is because I think he's purely fine. I think that's, that's the issue I have. And it's, but I also wonder, because Spielberg's good with kids. Like he can make this stuff work in his sleep. It's all, you see it with the other kids. Well, you yeah, the rest of the kids in the movie. I think Olivia Cook yeah. is very good as Samantha. I think and Artemis. I think, I think that the kid yeah. plays show is great. Oh yeah, the yeah, show and what Gaito. Um, Gaito, yeah. Yeah, I, I though they do. They're fine with what they're doing, but like Tyson, I I wonder if it's almost by de- I mean it's by design because that's the nature of the story. But it's like the we're seeing such a traditional hero's journey right now, and it's like we're coming off a few weeks of seeing you know john boyega and storm reed and t'challa like we're seeing all these other and it's like now we're back to like white man does a thing and gets the girl at the end it's like well <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it feels like an especially in a virtual world aaron he's blue he's not even blue he's like he's like white and blue <laughs> with, with white hair yeah with white hair <laughs> like, uh... to be wavy. <laughs> and it's like it, i'm not saying like it needs to be different but it's more of for a movie that's full of so much innovation it's like well it seems like we took a one 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 step back here (laughs) it's like all right like this is yeah i mean are you saying that you should have been cast differently or well it's like well if it's not cast differently then i feel like it's not a matter of being cast differently it's more of the performance that ty sheridan's giving as wade watts it's like it just feels so standard in a movie that's has so much going for it in every other direction. What are you saying, Ali? Sorry. I, I think that's a writing. Uh, mm-hmm. That seems to be one of the problems that was in the book, and I see that problem here as well, is uh, there's not much for this character to, to chew on. Um, I, I liked him as... Um, he played uh, Cyclops, right, in um, yeah, Apocalypse? In yeah. yeah, and so I, I, I think he had a bit of a range to the character there, even though that film was also, I think the writing was kind of weak there. I don't think it's a director problem, actor problem. I, I think just for this character and for a lot of the characters, there's not a lot for them to work with. Yeah, and I I agree with that mainly because I could, for, for Ty Sheridan at least, because I think the other characters who are also some of them are less sketched out than others, they at least feel memorable to me. And I I, uh, I would, I would by, by default, remember Wade Watts because he's the lead character, so I'm not going to forget who he is, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it's like watching, like, Jake Sully in Avatar. It's like, yeah, he's there, he's Sam Worthington, he's doing his thing, but it's like, it's not, it's not the reason I like the <laughs> Avatar. It's like, yeah, he's, he's, he's getting me two parts in the movie. Uh, so it's, My mind went, went uh, bonkers and confused for a second. You said Jake Sully in Avatar, and I was like, Wait a minute, Sam Worthington was in Sully, and I was like, I was like, I was like, wait a minute, that's not true at all. And then I was like, oh no, he he said Avatar. I was like, okay, okay. But yeah, I guess yeah. I mean, the writing because I also I've seen Ty Sheridan be very good. Like he got a he had yeah, a great right. like start out. He had what is he, he had um, Tree of Life and Mud and I, Joe yeah. like back to back to back, and I'm like, well, this, yeah, this guy's a promising young actor, and it's like okay, it's cool that he got a Spielberg film. I mean, clearly he saw his early stuff, and it's like all right, yeah, he's he's here, he's doing his thing, right. Well, let's jump into some of the themes of this movie here, because uh, it did remind me a lot of like this this Wally thing, where everyone's just gonna live 
on uh, flown in pizza and live in the oasis for the rest of their lives kind of thing. So, yeah, I, it kind of is happening. You see stories of some people that game for 20 hours and then they die. And it's really like, uh, really it's kind of sad. That, though. But... We, we, don't, we get told this kind of, and that's like the weird loyalty centers that I still don't really have an understanding of how they work exactly. You got to pay back those credits, man. Um, and, then, and you never can. Cause they give you oh, is, is that what that's all about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the whole point. It's, it's basically uh, servitude for the rest of your life. Mm, okay. Essentially, yeah. I just imagine they all have student loan debt that yeah. AOI <laughs> has bought up, and now they're just yeah. like mining some kind of cryptocurrency in the <laughs> Oasis. And you know, that's yeah, yeah, because that whole entire thing reminded me of like credit card debt, where it's just like, hey, like we're gonna help you out, but at the same time, you're not gonna get zero percent interest rate. You're gonna still get like a, a super reduced one. But you're still going to get interest rate on it, even though you're not making like any income kind of thing. So and, like, I guess, and I guess you're never really going to get out of this. I guess it, since so. the world's collapsing, I'm supposed to buy into this. But it just like seems like there's something shady seems about this, about the fact that this exists, that there's these yeah. weird prisons. But okay, right. So you know, it, it's kind of I think that they super glossed over at the end, where it's like, and then we decided to have like two days in the week up because you should live outside in the world. It's like. Um, okay. I mean, you know, because the world itself is pretty cool, so I don't know. Like, the, the Oasis itself is pretty cool, so I was like, uh, it seems like everyone was ready to live in the Oasis. Yeah, I got, Abe, that was, there's a similar kind of ending moment in the book, and that also didn't work for me. Okay. Like, the whole movie, everything you watch to this point is a celebration of pop culture, video games, movies, music, and knowing everything about them, and everyone who does well in these worlds are those people that know every single detail, and then the story ends, and it's like, actually, no, like be out IRL and like experience <laughs> that. And that doesn't really feel earned to me. Well, and, and in the book, in the book, they, the Oasis is kind of celebrated as it can fix pretty much any problem in your life. For example, mm-hmm. at, at the start of the book, Wade Watts is uh, an unpopular, very overweight guy, but, but through the Oasis, he, they have this kind of uh, health system where you can voluntarily lock yourself out of the game unless you do exercise and eat properly. And he mm-hmm. chooses to do that. And suddenly he loses weight and becomes, a generic action hero, and <laughs> so, the, and so the, the kind of it celebrates this oasis as it, this thing it fixes every problem. See this kid, he's found love, he's found a better life all through this video game. So, so here's... it's where they go to school too, education yes. system. Everything well, you can go to school in the oasis. You have to because yeah, the yeah. world has crumbled. Everything. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. See, yeah. now, see that right there solves some of my problems already, as far as how the real yeah, that's how some of my problems it's, too. It's actually showing me that the oasis is is more than just like here's a thing that people do in their free time which happens to take up all their time now like that right but if you if right. they were to address that i you know i'd be a little more on board with the, the logic of this beyond like my enjoyment of the film um i now Abe, what you're getting into as far as the themes go is and what you guys are speaking to as far as where the messaging is coming in this is part of where i really start to come around on the movie as far as what's bugging me versus how i'm kind of quelling that because i think the kind of, there's a the surface idea of yeah hey guys it's cool to you know take a day off from the oasis every once in a while because you'll feel better like that's a fun like on the surface message but like what you guys are saying about the about it not really condemning the oasis in general though and like telling you how amazing it is it's a there's a weird critique thing that i think spielberg actually is trying to do where he's 
presenting you this horrible reality, and even though it's not, mm-hmm. it's a bunch of Janusz Kaminski's blown out lighting to make you think, oh, it's dystopia. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> like, it's a lot of that, and it's showing you that you have this, like, crumbling society, and then the Oasis is amazing. But what I th- where it gets, like, really, where it gets really heavy, guys, is that Spielberg... <laughs> is very much responsible for a lot of the things that we see in the Oasis, or at least how people interpret it, because it's such a pop culture-heavy world. So it gets to this weird, like, loop in my mind where Spielberg's making a film about people that are inside a gaming system that very much grew up on Spielberg films, and he's showing us that it's awesome because we're playing in this world, but also terrible because we're not going outside. Like, it's these weird, like, <laughs> right. it's it's those sort of questions where I don't necessarily have the answers to them, but I'm happy to be thinking about them, which made me think, yeah. okay, this movie actually is operating on a couple levels that I'm not quite sure how to suss out right now in a week since I've seen it. I saw it again today with Anno, and, you know, I, have, I had same, some of the same questions, but I was still happy <laughs> to go along for the ride as far as, like, watching this world again. But so yeah, it's like, yeah. that makes that, that gives me a new appreciation, or that gave me a, coming out of it the first time, I was like, okay, actually, th- th- like, the, this last scene that I'm not going to get into, but involving certain characters, I'm like, I don't know what's exactly the the main thing being said, but I like thinking about the different possibilities. Yeah, I think there's two things for me that I, I could have hour long conversations about this. So one is, um, I think the movie does do a good job of um, speaking to the psychology of nostalgia. Uh, a lot of psychologists think nostalgia exists to connect you with the people that you're close to from the past or um, help you to reconnect with the people that you're close to in the present. So I I think the movie does have a message about that, about how a love of this media is actually what's bringing these people together. So I like that. The other thing here is, not to get too political, but this is coming out right when uh, Cambridge Analytica and Facebook and um, a lot of discussions are happening about how we're plugged into social media and what are the consequences of that and the people who control this media and the impact that has on our lives. So I think there's that theme, too, that we could kind of dive into. And Spielberg is is saying a little bit something about that. What what gets me on that kind of logic is like Spielberg is a guy who very much loves the past, as you can tell by just his admiration for history and how he keeps going over it as far as different films and how he tries to relate Mm -hmm. that to current times but he's also a huge futurist like he's a guy that's very much yeah. embraced uh the future and a variety of films whether it be something really dark like ai or you know something a little bit more fun but still very dark like minority report i mean it's he's, <laughs> that's a pretty dark one too yes yeah but it's more fun it's more fun than ai there's no there's no flesh fair in minority reports <laughs> it's, <laughs> so it's it is it's like I guess it comes back to the very fact that Spielberg's doing this movie to begin with that kind of boggles my mind. Like the idea that Spiel- right. I, like I'm sure Ernest Klein thought that when he's like, "What? Steven Spielberg well, wants no. to direct Ready Player One?" <laughs> like, right? Yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure Ernest Klein wrote this book, and then Spielberg was like, "Wait, he's just doing all my shit." So it's like, I better get the rights to this movie. Um, but there's a lot of interesting. I guess what you're saying is is it is weird to be like, hey, by the way, I, I created all this stuff and it's and you should enjoy it, but also it's bad for you. It's like, I don't, I just didn't get that feeling. Like, I, I didn't get that sense. It just didn't come across very strongly of like, hey, like, you know, maybe we should just um, back away from the Facebooks of the world or the, the Googles of the world or whatever the case is and just go read a, a literal physical book outside in the park kind of thing. It's like, is that what you're telling me? Because from what you guys have explained to me, how the book is like, hey, you know, you go to school and you work and you can do all this stuff in the Oasis. It's like, that sounds like the future. 
And so that's, uh, I, you know, I think that I would be a little bit more off put if they if they made it like, oh, well, if you're going to do the Oasis, then you have to do like conscription army or whatever the case is. So I don't know. Uh, I'm not writing this movie. I'm not trying to rewrite it either. It's just those questions that are that are raised. So I, I, feel, I, I feel like. Sorry, go ahead. Oh Alex. no, go Jay. Go ahead. I, say, I, I feel like if in this world the Oasis did shut down two days a week, another company would just create this <laughs> Oasis light <laughs> that you could then plug into and get your fix for those two days. It's just creating a gap in the market for them. <laughs> That's so true. Oh my gosh. Like, uh, one uh, one thing uh, I want to push back against a little bit, Aaron, mm-hmm. is um, besides the T Rex. I don't think there are too many direct references to Spielberg's work. Did I say there was? Well, like, I mean, it's sort of the elephant in the room, right? That uh, Spielberg oh, no, created like, a lot of them. No, yeah, I, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, as far as, yes, I do. I mean, I find it ironic that Steven Spielberg directed this movie. That said, I, I'm aware that he very deliberately took out most of the references from the book to his movies for this movie. Right. Which makes sense. I mean, you have, yes, like. He produced the Back to the Future films, and you get a lot of Back to the Future references still. And yeah, T Rex is in there, and uh, I mean, just the general tone of certain things. You you know, it feels very Spielberg-y, very right. much, which makes sense. It's a Spielberg movie. Um, yeah, I but mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of surprising things too. From yes. from the get go, there's a Minecraft reference, and uh, that right, yeah. the, the books yeah, the books weird. pop culture sort of ends in the 80s. There's not mm-hmm. too much after that. And over here, they they included a lot, uh, a lot of stuff that I really did not expect. A lot of I know they included stuff. the turtles that I was most likely not wanting to see. <laughs> right. uh, I, I found that the lack of Disney disturbing. I don't, I don't, obviously well, that's because they, they couldn't get Disney. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but that, that, that's kind of what took me out often is there's no there's no Star Wars anywhere. There's no Marvel anywhere. Like the big battle at the end, you'd expect to see an eighty eighty walking across in the background somewhere, yeah, I, or someone throwing. I, I would have expected larger robots as well, not just like the not Iron Giant. Not everyone has the coin, Abe. Mm, good point. Well, I mean, not if you ever, not ever, more giant robots. Read the book. More giant <laughs> robots in the book. A lot well, more giant robots. Well, I know that, like, okay. like uh, Ultraman is a big factor too, and not the yes. Iron, not, not the Iron Giant, right? Yeah, that's But no, like, yeah, I mean, I, I can, yes, I can appreciate that. It's it isn't just like specifically late seventies, eighties. It is a lot of nineties, two thousands, and what have you. To, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's like a but bunch of. There's a lot of Warner Brothers references, especially Batman. Like everyone has a Batman sticker, like yep. the Tim Burton Batman sticker. Um, I, I think there's Batman, Batgirl, or Batwoman. Um, there's Joker, Batwoman, there's Harley Joker, Quinn. Harley Quinn. Yeah. There's also I know a lot the of Bat- street, there's a lot of Street Fighter in this movie actually. Yeah, yeah, there was. Yeah. There's there's a, and Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Although although not enough Street Fighter moves, I'd say that. <laughs> but there is a Street Fighter move in a key moment. Yeah, it is, and that was cool. But I was like, oh man, it would have been dope. I, I thought he was gonna follow up with like a, a a flash kick, and I was like, oh, that would have been dope. But or like a man. super. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, in terms of like, as far as like video game movies go, or I guess video game, it's weird that movies that don't directly adapt from a video game are way better. Than movies that adapt directly from a video game, and well, uh, we'll, it, is we'll it get, just because we'll, like we'll have to more to play with or to play with? Well, it's I mean it's really simple. I think I mean the, the a video game, the joy of playing that game comes from the fact that you're interacting with it. Let alone if the something like Uncharted or 
the recent Tomb Raiders or what have you. It's like there is a performance that goes with that too. Like I I, I don't want to see an Uncharted movie because one that's I don't see all, that's all kinds of redundant, but also. I enjoyed Nolan North's voice as Nathan Drake. I enjoyed those people playing those characters. I don't want to see some other guy cast as this person because it's like, well, what's the point of that? Like, I like these characters in this game because they're those characters in that game. I don't want, I don't need to see an impression of that. I have that. It's already in front of me. Also, you're removing the thing that you like about it. You're removing the interactive element. So it's like, what are you going to do that's innovative with it? Nothing because it's just going to be aping the movies that the game was aping to begin with and you're not playing it anymore. Versus a video, versus a, something that's you know sourced. One, you get to acknowledge the references. You be, be like, oh, that's yeah. fun. That's fun that that's adjacent to this thing that I like. And they can craft whatever narrative they want to. They don't have to be beholden to some kind of video game narrative. They can do whatever they want to do with it and shape it to make a movie that works in some way, which we've seen many times. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we, many times. Yeah. We, we haven't seen that with video game movies. Okay. Yeah. Any other <laughs> thoughts on uh, on Ready Player One? We uh, mentioned the cast. No, we didn't mention uh, Ralph Innocent, who plays uh, <laughs> Wade's aunt's partner. I, I really like Ralph Innocent in films. Yeah, so just, that guy I, has like a super thick that. accent. I was like, wait a minute, it's, why is he doing an American accent? It, I, I I refer to him now as Hurricane Heist Ralph Innocent. So uh, yeah, he, he's uh, <laughs> yes, of course. He's he's definitely in the movie. He definitely looks terrible given the hair they give him, and he's also a giant child because at one point his I guess Wade's Wade's aunt, who's his girlfriend she tells him to go to his room which made me laugh quite a bit <laughs> what made me laugh is like the suit that wade buys fits him as well and i was like oh i guess it's a it's a it's a one size fits all suit it's stretching it's so. the back to the future shrinking suit yeah it's one of those, oh, no. one of those. <laughs> no, the, the x1's no joke guys oh what'd you guys think of the alvin Sil- alan silvestri score i love the uh, i loved how he redid the uh back to future yeah little thing and i was like that gave me chills he takes a number of there's a number of cues that I recognize. When the King Kong lens comes up, there's a King Kong cue in there. The there's a other giant monster that we see where there's a score cue that was very familiar to me. So it's like he's he's doing his job as far as referencing things in the audio. Like, yes, yeah. I, I was enjoying that. I guess I I can see why you'd get Alan Silvestri to do the score for a movie like this as opposed to John Williams. I know John Williams also just he was busy doing the post, so it's like he didn't have time to do this movie. But it's like no, that's that's a kind of a clever reference to have Alan, you know, a, a staple of '80s soundtracks doing the you know the Ready Player <laughs> One movie. Yeah, uh, I love that it started with Van Halen's jump. That's just if you want to, if you want to start smiling at the start of a film, you play jump. It yeah, just worked. I was. This is this is not even a complaint. It's more of based off Spielberg films in the 80s and 70s, I was kind of hoping it'd be that white text that would just go to the title in the same way that it does with, like, E.T. and Close Encounters. <laughs> or just kind of, it just kind of, like, it's very, like, not... It just... There's nothing really spectacular about it. It's just, like, saying, you know, Spielberg film, blah, 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 Ready for <laughs> One, then just goes into it. <laughs> that would have been, that been a, a, a deep pull, but... Um, but I would have we... got it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only thing that matters. But just to close it out uh, on my side, it's just more of um, I like the challenges. I think that they were fun. Um, but that second challenge, which I know that we didn't talk about, but um, it was pretty extraordinary, and I, I had a lot of fun with that one. Yeah, for, for sure. For, uh, right. Appreciating how how little it's been in the marketing. Yeah, I, I yeah. super because yeah. no, it came I, as a shock. 
Like yeah. this is fucking amazing. I mean, luckily I, I saw it at a press screening, so I was I was well well not aware of things that would happen, but still, <laughs> uh, I was happy for that surprise. That's a it's a great thing to kind of come across. But there's some, there's a ton of stuff. I mean, besides something very specific like that thing we're not referencing, there's tons yeah. of little things that I'm sure we'll be finding in years to come as you pause this movie. Is look at the amount of like avatars that are on screen or vehicles. Right, yeah, yeah. Like again, I saw it, saw it seeing it again today. I, there's a shot of like ships flying to a certain place and you see a lot of ships from a lot like a lot of things that i did not notice the first time around is like there's like a there's like a terminator one of those terminator hunter killers those hks those big oh nice that's in there um there's another one that you everyone kind of knows if you've seen it because it flies up at one point but there's a number of little like little things that are all over this movie that is neat to see it is neat to see like there's so many rights were given to make this work even with the lack of obviously yes all of disney which seems to that shows you just how much disney owns by the way given how much stuff's not in this movie because there's yeah there's like no lightsabers running around on a giant battlefield right. in a world where you can be anything it's like well that's noticeable <laughs> I, I, if i could choose between sagat or obi-wan kenobi probably would choose sagat like that's probably not my first choice to fight in the world ending battle he's got here. projectile power though he's, he can do he can do tigers tiger tiger Tiger. Uh, there's e- even within the references. There's other references. So the DeLorean has the kit, uh, yeah. Night Rider, uh, little lights going around. So uh-huh. I mean, that's that's cool, and that's also a reference to Ernest Klein's actual DeLorean. He's kind of modded it to have all that stuff. So um, all those little details just um, are just a lot of uh, a lot of love was put into yeah. this movie. All right, all right. Well, when should people go? When should people go and see Ready Player One, Ali? You know, if you're a fan of any of the stuff that this references, go see it right now on the biggest screen you can. Um, it's it's definitely um, a visual feast. Go see it big. Jay? I, I agree. But also, you will then need to buy it later on to watch it at home <laughs> just to do the frame-by-frame frame reference collecting. Like, so you do both. You have to do both. It's Abe? no choice. Abe? Yeah, and while we, while we mentioned that the, the script is nothing to really you know, give uh, an A plus to it's more that it's just a, it's such a visual feast that I would recommend watching it on the big screen uh, in the theater. And I'm not sure if I didn't watch it in IMAX and I kind of didn't watch it in D box, but now I'm very curious about both formats. So we'll see what happens. When Anna and I saw it uh, today, this morning, um, there was a 40 X option that we did not take because uh, she, mm. she had not seen it yet. And I already did, we did 40 X once with baby driver. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's how that works. I guess. Um, okay. <laughs> this is, this is where like, it's basically like a star tours ride where it just moves around and everything. And like there's scents and flashing lights and all kind and smoke and stuff. And it's like, how would that, I wonder how that would work with this movie. That said, we did see it in Dolby Atmos and it was, uh, it sounds great. Uh, but great. no, it is a great movie to watch on a big screen, and I certainly recommend it that way. That is the movie. That is the, that is the kind of movie that you want to see. Fantastic! In a is know, it in a theater? Is it formatted in the IMAX ratio? There is a seventy millimeter mm-hmm. version of it. Um, oh, so yeah. I, I mean, I don't think there is a. I don't, it's not like they weren't like it wasn't shot with IMAX cameras. It wasn't shot. Like yeah, that, exactly. Because because I saw in the credits that it said uh, optimized for IMAX, yes, but yes, it wasn't yes. shot with IMAX. All the um, Oasis scenes seem like they could be easily uh, optimized for that ratio. Like, you, you know, so much of that was CG. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see it in that. I'm sure it was already a costly movie to begin with. So I'm sure if he had right. even more, he probably would have embraced that to a, to a greater extent. But that just means we have to hope Ready Player Two happens and he gets an even bigger budget, I guess. <laughs> no, it's got to be called Here Comes a New Challenger. 
Yes, that would be the perfect sequel. That's the title of yeah. That should be the title of the movie. So, all right. Anyway, cool. Well, with all that said, uh, Ali, I think you need to uh, be uh, leaving us at this point. I do need to be leaving, um, but it was uh, it was an adventure. Thank you, guys. <laughs> we'll see you in the race. Welcome. We're ejecting your cartridge now. Thank you very much. Where can people find more of your work? On, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, if you go to the Psych Show, that's uh, the Psych Show dot com. Will take you to my YouTube channel. I'm also on Twitter and would love to talk to folks about Ready Player One. I am at Alima too. All right. Well, thank you very much again, Ali, and I uh, hope you have a good rest of the the week. I'll see you in arcades. Yeah, yeah definitely. Bring your quarters. We'll do. All right. Well, now we will continue on. Let's get to some out now feedback. 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 This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, where we ask our listeners a number of questions and they give us answers. Then they asked us some questions that we'll try to provide some answers for as well. Jay, feel free to chime in when you want to here. Will do. All right. And the first question we ask everybody, what's your favorite kid or teenager from a Steven Spielberg film? Kevin Wright's mouth. Uh, he also, fi- uh, and then we, we clarified with him. Uh, and then he said, fine, Rufio, which we immediately, like, I think Aaron immediately was like, I'm upset that I had to clarify. Uh, Justin wrote Lex in Jurassic Park. I was at her age. Unix, I know this. Uh, Debbie writes Gertie in E.T. Scott has Tintin, and so does Philip. Michael writes Short Round. And lastly, Chris writes Jim, uh, Christian Bell in Empire of the Sun. The baby velociraptor from Jurassic Park. <laughs> the one that gives birth? <laughs> the one that's being born. Yeah, yeah the, one, the one that's being yeah, hatched. Yeah. Technically my favorite. I don't like kids in films generally. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Lex and Tim are probably the least annoying uh, Jurassic kids. Tim, Tim's pretty annoying. <laughs> I don't mind. I find Lex more annoying. And the, the, whoever was referenced the eunuch scene, that's the worst scene in the film. I don't know <laughs> why they had to bring that up. <laughs> I hate that scene. Hey, she's a hacker. Yeah, yeah, that's actually the first thing. My answer is, um, what's his name? Um, uh, From AI. Uh, uh, AI, the kid. (laughs) Haley Haley Joel Joel Osment, yes. Is it David? I was like, like, yeah, that guy. David, yeah, it's David. It's a whole film about him. All androids (laughs) named David are spooky to me. He's a little too creepy for me. He's perfect. Uh, He does everything he needs to. Not, yeah, and I don't even love AI he, the same he, way a lot of other people love AI. I think it's like it's fine, it's grown on me. But I think Haley Joel Osment's pretty terrific in it. Do we count Leo DiCaprio as a kid and Catch Me If You Can? He's still in high school. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's still playing play like yeah, yeah, he's playing a range, right? <laughs> well, he, uh, but he, he leaves when he's in high school still, so he's, he's still. Yeah. So do, do we count Matt Damon in Saving Private Ryan? You know, he's <laughs> he's, he's at war. He's up. an adult. <laughs> <laughs> What's our, anyway. next, what's our next question here? Um, what video game or movie would you world would you like to enter into? Uh, Michael Lee, friend of the show, writes Metal Gear Solid, Kingdom Hearts, or the OG Mega Man. Justin writes, would Wreck-It Ralph count? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's a world. And Mike Jones writes, Fallout, Oblivion, or Grand Theft Auto 3. I would not want to be in any of those worlds. No. Like, all of those yeah. sound terrible to me. <laughs> those are too hard. Like one's like a one's a nuclear fallout area. Oblivion, I feel like I'm gonna get shot, wife and arrow, any second, everywhere, everywhere I go. And GTA, I'm gonna get run over the second I take a step on the street. I know. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a wrong. I've got to go with Super Mario World. That gives you a range of things. How's that you great? To... You get touched by a mushroom and you die. <laughs> you no, know, you're gonna grow on the mushroom. 
The, no, but the, you can go to Star World. You can go to like, uh, you know, the dark, scary castles uh, with the ghosts, or you can go to like, you know, the 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 first world where it's like super fun and where all you have to do is like go through the forest. I'd right. say one of the Lego games. There you go. See, oh, I'd be a go. giant. Jay's on uh, my level here. Yeah, you can you can build with everything. Yeah, and yeah. It, you wouldn't He's have to play with builder. it. It already comes to life. Yeah, and it just starts playing with itself. Yeah, you just interact with Lego. Be, be, a, be a master great. builder. That's what I'm going for. I'm with Jay on this one. Lego worlds. Great. Yeah. Uh, next question: What iconic pop culture character would you want in your clan? Joe writes Mary Poppins. He actually sent a GIF. Um, Richard has Urkel from season four of Family Matters, and <laughs> I don't know exactly. What happens to Urkel in season four? But I'm gonna guess that he turns more into Stefan. I don't know, but uh, it's probably a good uh, guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frankie writes uh, Johnny Five. Um, Philip has Sherlock Holmes, and lastly, Justin has Kit. The genie from Aladdin would probably be pretty useful. Three Seems... wishes only, or after? But he, three but he could do. It, but if he's in your clan, then he's working for himself, and well, he can do anything three... for himself. So. I like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Just one, yeah. one like, characters who can do anything. All right. Game our uh, our next question here: If you could race around an iconic vehicle, what would it be? Adam Gentry, friend of the show, writes: I've always wanted Darth Maul's speeder from Star Wars Episode One, but would also love to drive up to a party in the Batmobile from Batman Forever. <laughs> really, that one? Um, Tammy writes: Eagle Five, Winnebago from Spaceballs. Uh, Michael Lee has, if it has to be battle-ready, it'd have to be Batman's Tumblr. If not, Fozzie's Studebaker. <laughs> Mike writes, Kit. I even had an 87 Firebird back in the day. John has Kit as well with a gif. Frankie has the DeLorean Knight Rider car with Kit. The DeLorean or the Knight Rider's car with Kit. Okay. Uh, Jason has the DeLorean because I can race anytime, any place. George writes, the only correct answer is Anakin's pod racer from Star Wars Episode One. <laughs> Luke writes, Carl Sagan's spaceship from the imagination of, of the imagination. Uh, Dennis writes, a Veritech fighter from Robotech, uh, Macross. Alan has the Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters. Philip writes, Kaneda's bike from Akira. Uh, Chris has, I'd be happy with Dom's Impala from Fast 8. Specifically, Fast Eight. Uh, Sarah writes, "Not a movie, but I adore the 1967 Apollo from Supernatural." And Ricardo writes, "An X-wing fighter, please." I gotta agree with the Tumblr. That's where my mind was going. Because that turns into the bat pod. That's true. You have a two-in-one, <laughs> and it's got tons of weapons on it, and it seems like it's indestructible. <laughs> no one took. Yeah. The, no one took the Mach Five from Speed Racer, and I'm taking that right away. That just that's just useful. Go speed, go. Yeah. The Pizza Planet truck. Pizza Planet? Pizza Planet. That seems indestructible as well. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, it's, it's survived, survived, survived since, the ages. Yeah, it's been since, yeah. The, <laughs> since the dinosaurs roamed. There's been a Pizza Planet yeah. truck. That's since right. the mythical lands of Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> since the dinosaurs roamed. Yeah, since Mom Bear the movie, there has been a Pizza Planet truck. <laughs> All right, the next question is, what's your favorite current era? Let's say 20, uh, 2004 and up, Steven Spielberg film. Uh, from the show, Mark writes, I'll stand up for World of the Worlds. Yes, I'm serious. Don't at me. I will at uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler has Munich by a mile. Philip also writes Munich. Dennis also writes Munich. Wish I could squeeze in Minority Report, though, um, which I think was like 2002. Two. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Alan has Munich, Lincoln, and The Post. 
Uh, from the show, uh, Brandon writes, ha, you won't fool me with that. The answer is zero. Spielberg won't be around in 200,004. Th- <laughs> I had an error uh, the first time I yeah. posted this, and I corrected it. <laughs> uh, Patrick writes, Lincoln is the old chicken and the egg argument. What is, uh, what Was it a great movie before Daniel Day-Lewis, or did Daniel Day-Lewis make it a great movie? Well, I'm glad to see so much Munich love, because that's easily my answer. Ah, <laughs> <But>, uh... <laughs> uh, it's got to be Tintin. I love Tintin. I love Tintin also. Tintin's great. Tintin. To be fair, I haven't seen Munich, so that doesn't help. Wild or ever? <laughs> ever. Oh, ever. Okay. Uh, yeah, ever. I haven't seen Munich ever. Sorry. Um, but, but I, I think even if I had, I freaking love Tintin so right. much. We, so. you, we are big fans of Tintin on the show, so you're in good company. <laughs> um, yes. I, I put Lincoln up there too, as far as what's Lincoln's right, pretty, what's right pretty behind terrific. it. And, yeah. Yeah, like what we liked about it is the slice of lifeness of it. It's not like Abraham Lincoln was born in a log cabin in 1806. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no one's bringing up the BFG. Why not? <laughs> you know, Mark Rylance is hit and miss sometimes. He was great on that Bridge of the Spies, as what Aaron would say. He's great on that piece. He's great. He's where he wore that hat. He wore that. He wore that wig. Ready Player One. He did that. He did that poster. That picture of himself. <laughs> he, he hid that Easter egg. <laughs> <laughs> Three of them. <laughs> and Mark Riley. It's... He's uh, going places. He's going places. What are some of your favorite Easter eggs slash in jokes you can think of from movies or video games? Mike writes R2 and C3PO in Indiana Jones in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, there's a shot of them in the, the Ark. So there's like yeah. there's a hieroglyphic or something in the, like the caves. Uh, Luke has the basement planet level. The, bla- the basement level in Toe Jam and Earl when you just sit in a hot tub with hula girls who say titter titter. <laughs> I didn't, I've never played Toe Jam and Earl, so that's... that's uh, I remember that's Toe Jam and Earl. I don't remember that. Um, <laughs> Mark writes, Alfred Hitchcock making an appearance in his own movie. Okay, he did it 39 times. Uh, Dennis writes, the xenomorph skeleton in Predator 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin writes, everything involving Pixar. Yep, yeah, that's, that's my answer. That's basically my answer as well. <laughs> The basic planet truck. <laughs> yeah, it's even <laughs> under <laughs> All right. Uh, next one. Uh, what avatar would you choose to play? Uh, would you choose for the Oasis? Justin has Marty McFly. Michael has Bi- Spider Man. Uh, friend of the show, Michael Lee has Bender. Luke writes uh, Rick Sanchez. Dennis has the Dude, and Jordan has Kratos. From <laughs> Kratos. Oh, I would choose Mark Rylance as his character for Ready Player One, obviously. <laughs> like... That's a great. That's a great answer. He's got the, uh, the Space Invaders T-shirt on. You know, it's Easter egg. <laughs> I'm gonna go Muldoon from Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, Muldoon. Muldoon. Yeah. Clever girl. Clever girl. Yeah. Huge quads, by the way. They should all be destroyed. <laughs> Change his speed. That's how he. That's how. That's how he introduces himself to people. I know. Yeah. He just up to them. They should all be oh. destroyed. Hi, these are my kids. They should all be destroyed. <laughs> Hi, I do security on this park. <laughs> um, Abe, did you have one? Did you say one? Yeah, I, I think I said, I forget what I said, but I'm pretty sure I said something. <laughs> Two seconds ago. Back the tape. Yeah. Anyway. Him? Really? Okay. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> All right, out that choice. <laughs> okay, last question here. Favorite film about characters entering some kind of virtual reality? George writes Virtuosity. I can def see how Russell Crowe got more work after it. 
Justin writes Tron for sure. Chris writes Tron, the original. Philip writes Summer Wars. Dennis writes The Matrix. Mike writes The Matrix. And Mark writes Inception. Nice. I want to shout out Philip on Summer Wars. That's a... Uh... That's one that people don't really see is this anime about basically the same thing. People in this oasis and then, you know, somebody threatens to shut it down with like a virus or whatever the case is. But um, that was a cool reference when I saw that. Um, I was going to mention Giant Mnemonic, but we mentioned it earlier. <laughs> I like to mention this... good movies when we do these questions. So it's... <laughs> you didn't why like I... him holding like 64 gigabytes of like uh, of storage in his brain? It's, it's Hey, I like a microfilament thumb sword the much as the next guy, but I've, uh, uh, that's why I'm also not mentioning The Lawnmower Man. Um, I like good movies when it comes to these kind of questions. <laughs> So uh, strange days, much in strange days. Strange days. Is, is that virtual reality, or is this just more of a just watching a fun tape? <laughs> uh, strange. Fair okay, no, Inception. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll allow strange days because you do you are like feeling the stuff that's going on and everything. So that's it's not real. So it's even though it happened at some point. <laughs> strange days is a good movie. We should talk about strange days more. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's get to our question here. Um. Justin asks, do you think when a movie is being made, the actors, director, and everyone involved thinks this is going to be the best movie to date? Basically, I have pe- I have heard people say the director or actors have disowned this movie after it was made. So I guess that, okay, so I guess he's asking, at the time, do you think people making the movies are thinking this movie is going to be great? I think if you're McGee, yeah, you, you are saying that all the time. I think most people making films that aren't going straight to DVD know that they're going to be great or, or, or think there is at least potential for it to be fantastic. Right. Else, why else would you sign up for it? Yeah, I, don't, exactly. I, don't, I don't think everyone's doing everything just for the paycheck. Yeah. And I, even if it was for the paycheck, I, you'd probably have to go around because the studio is telling you to go say that it's the best movie ever made. Well, I mean, that's yeah. regardless of like what, what kind of press you're, you're being instructed, how you're being instructed to handle the media. I think there is a, a move past director and actors who have to speak to, you know, to interviews and whatnot think about you know the various grips or production artists <laughs> or you know best boys like all that kind of stuff like a lot of i mean a lot of them just think it's just a job or big or small depending on the movie i think it's just a matter of well i'm doing this because i'm doing this this is what i you know signed up to do i can imagine if you're on some kind of high profile project that yeah you're probably in caught or like you have a marquee director in charge of everything yeah you probably think you're probably working on something that's going to come out really well or whatnot but i don't know i i i guess actors yes you're probably i mean you were attracted to a role for a reason assuming it's not just like a well i'm signed to the studio so i have to do this you're trying to think like well i chose this script so i'm hoping it all turns out all right yeah i mean it's a tough one because i don't think that people are going around with all this arrogance and saying hey we just made the best movie you know what i mean and it's like I don't know. It's it's a movie that everyone thinks is terrible. And the example that I sp- think of specifically is um, Punisher Warzone. Um, who directed that? Lex, Lexi uh, Alexander. Alexander. Lexi Alexander. Yeah. Yeah, and she. It was interesting. It was fascinating to, to listen to the how did this get made with when she was on the panel with them, and she's like, I drew directly from the comic books, and I thought that I was making a movie that was exactly like the comic books and and then people just thought that it was a piece of crap and she was really hurt by by that so it was just like you know it kind of sucks that you think that you are doing this piece of art that is pretty true to the source material or pretty good 
and then everyone just like takes a dump on it. So it's it's um, sometimes not always that you think you made the best movie. You think that you did a pretty good job, and then it turns out that people think that it's amazing, or some people just think it's terrible. It's, well, it's kind of sucks. I mean, you could look at someone like George Lucas, who you know he made he's created Star Wars, and he makes uh-huh. all his prequels, and they get a you know a vast amount of criticism. And now he's like underground, essentially. Like he doesn't. Oh, that's true. He doesn't do much anymore. I mean, he, he produces. He does. He, does, he, he does, he's not even. He's not even producing these movies. I mean, he's, he's, Ooh. he's he's he has his own involvement on a level that's very much what he wants it to be, as opposed to being the guy that you know shepherded in the most popular franchise of all time. He's a guy that's become like a pariah of his own product. Um, hmm. That said. The Last Jedi comes out, and everyone's like, we miss George Lucas, and it's like, well, <laughs> you, you, you shunned him away the first time. It's it's a weird it's a weird position to be in for, I imagine, a lot of directors that get yeah, very, very heavy, you know, critical dismissal um, from, from fans, from critics, from anybody, and then they have to kind of live with that, and you think, well, I just did the best job that I could, or I did this thing that it seemed like everyone liked at the time. I mean, that's what the movie Chef was, like, all about. That was Jon Favreau dealing with his own problem after Cowboys and Aliens. It's like I just thought everyone I wanted this. I realized that it was a larger, it was a larger allegory. Oh, it, easily. And that's watch that movie. It's entirely about that. Where it's like I was yeah. just make whatever I thought everybody wanted to make a giant big budget movie with Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig and I got all these writers on oh, it. Oh, it's got the Harrison Ford was in that movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a terrible movie. But I mean, <laughs> and then it's like, well, no, nobody wanted that, so I'm going to go back to doing my own thing, which is you know the movie Chef. <laughs> it's. it's <laughs> Or, you know, it's made, I made Iron Man 2, then I made Cowboys and Aliens, and there, nobody wanted this, apparently, even though I thought they did. So, never mind. And I went, I went smaller. And then he made Jungle Book. <laughs> and now he's making, yeah, that was pretty good. And now he's making yeah. The Lion King. <laughs> Which seems and very... Seems, seems, <laughs> yeah, he's making a Star Wars TV show. So he's got, he's got all these things. He's back on the track. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I mean... Yeah, no, I think we've sufficiently talked about this question, but thank you for that one. Yeah, and thank, thank you, you all the listeners that. for giving us answers and questions to all the things that we put out there. It's uh, fun to do on the old Facebook page. Let's um, <laughs> let's uh, move on now. What um, it, what uh, what time is it? Uh, well, Aaron, I think it's uh, time hold on, hold on. I didn't I didn't close the box as I criticized Ali for earlier. That was out of feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. <laughs> <laughs> now, Abe, what is uh, what time is it? I think it's time for a game. Little known fact, that's actually the tune that plays when you get the keys from completing the Easter eggs in Ready Player One. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Guys, I have a game for you this week. I'm ready. It is called Unlock My Avatar or Game Over, Man? <laughs> how, how do we play this game? <laughs> I, that's all I had. I had a title and that's it. There's no game. I'm kidding. Okay, there is a right. game, of course. There is a game. <laughs> um, so... I have names of various characters from movies that are video game adjacent. Okay. And I'm going to describe them by their abilities, and you have to name oh, no. and, and you have to name either you have to name either the, the the character I'm referring to or the movie that they are in. They are characters that are video game adjacent, as in movies that are not video game movies but aspired by video, like we were talking about earlier. Oh, okay, I got you. That's I a, see. that's okay. why I was saying put a pin in this. Interesting. Oh, interesting. All I, right. I will say, to promote my own work, this is inspired by a list I made for We Live Entertainment, which is best video game movies not based on video games. Wait, I'm sorry. What, what site was that again? I'll tell you later after we play the game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you think you know the answer, buzz in with your name and say the answer. 
But yeah, okay. I'm going to describe the abilities of various characters. Here we go. Here's the first one. Abilities. Driving, fighting, dancing, leading revolutions. Jay. Abe? Jay. Oh, what's the name of that film? Uh, the FP? Incorrect. Oh, man, the FP is a great callback, it's, though, by the way. We love that on this show. A, <laughs> it is a good answer. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I just I just want to say Percival. Yes, it's Percival. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's Ready Player One. That's the answer. It was. Ready I was trying Player to. One. I was trying to give you the obvious one first. <laughs> to get that yeah. yeah. Here's the next one. <laughs> Abilities. Oh, I had another thing. I had. I had. Sorry. I have both. The, I made this game like three days ago, so I forgot. I have both the objective of the game of the character and the abilities. That's why I was like, "What is this thing that I wrote here?" Okay. The objective of the character. Yeah. So the first one I had find an Easter egg, and then I had the oh, abilities okay. next gotcha. to it. Okay. 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 That's like the secondary backup clue. Yeah. So I'll read the abilities first, and then I'll read the objective because I think the objective kind of gives it away. Um, okay. So here's there's the next one. Fighting. Bass playing. Falling in love. Abe. Yeah. Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim is the correct answer. The bass playing gave it away. I thought so. I'm not going to do well at this game. <laughs> no, I've, you're going to do well. I, I, I start off uh, hot, and then I cool off really really quickly. Yeah, that's that's the story of Dave's life. The, uh, yeah. the objective was defeat seven bosses in a fight. That was the uh, objective of that one. Mm. Here's the next one. The ability is wrecking buildings. Jay. Yes? <laughs> Wreck-It Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph is the correct answer. <laughs> If did you he have, more, did no he have more abilities? Nope, I just had that one. Okay. <laughs> the, Breaking ob- stuff. The objective was destroy a building. <laughs> so... <laughs> Here's the and next... figure out why, he, why he's not a, a good guy. <laughs> Here's the next one. Abilities. Fighting. Flying. Interpreting complex coding. Hmm. The objective is stop the destruction of the human resistance. Jay. Jay. Agent Smith. Incorrect. In <laughs> Can I hear the abilities again? Fighting, flying, interpreting complex coding. Peripheral characters. I didn't say peripheral characters. Or, or I mean, like, not fighting, flying, complex coding. This seems, this seems pretty simple to me. Stopping the destruction of the human resistance. Oh. Uh, I went the wrong way. Yeah, you <laughs> did. Yeah. I should have just said the film. Oh, I see. Okay, it's Neo. Yes, it's Neo. It's the I didn't hear that. Yeah. I, I heard, stop the human resistance. Oh, okay. <laughs> Classic Jay. Always wanted to stop the human resistance. Here's the next one. Fighting, shooting, crude language, and decorum. Decorum? Decorum. Crude decorum. Oh, I see. <laughs> I'll read the objective because it's very necessary, I think, to make this one work. Keep his heart beating long enough for revenge. Jay. Jay. Crank. Jeb Chelios. Jeb Chelios is the correct answer. <laughs> still one of the Rude best. Still, one, still, like one, still one of the best movie names of all time. Jeb yeah, Chelios. Yeah. Jason Statham has the best names. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lee Christmas. And don't ever tell him there's no face-off machine. <laughs> Here's the next one. I'll read the objective first. Stop an alien invasion. And we have running, shooting, living the same day over and over again. Abe. Abe? Um, live to repeat. What's the actual name of the movie? Um... <laughs> Do you say that enough where you've forgotten? <laughs> Wait, hold on. 
Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow is the correct answer. <laughs> wow. That took so long. All I long. could think of was Tomorrow. I no, was right there with yes, you, Abe. Right. Wow. No, tomorrow like, the cover, never died? Like, the new cover is just like, lived and repeat. I was like, oh my gosh, what is the name of the movie? I hope Jay doesn't steal. Do you know Cruz's name in that movie? Jeff Jellios. <laughs> <laughs> major something it's william cage i don't think i'd ever get that if i had to be if i was asked what's tom cruise's name in edge of tomorrow william cage and i'm sure they, and i'm sure like bill paxton probably says cage like over and over again in that movie or well, like no, emily blunt so, like, says cage over she says over. cage over but I, like i could not for the life of me think anything but tom cruise like, it seems like it's just tom cruise that's his name obviously right bill paxton though r.i.p okay here's the next one running shooting fighting cybernetic implants the objective is rescuing his girlfriend and revenging those who messed him up. Um. Oh, good damn. Uh, it's right there. Uh. Uh. I. Uh. I know what this is. It's an alliterative title. <laughs> oh, man. Wait, hold minutes. on, hold on. Uh. <laughs> oh, man. Do you know what this is, Gay? I it, it I can picture it. Yeah, I, I can picture it too. I just don't know what the fucking title is. Yeah. All right, it is Hardcore Henry. Yeah, that one. I was like, Chuck it, Todd? <laughs> Chuck it, Not Todd. Not what I was thinking. <laughs> All right. What were you thinking? I have no idea. What, I guess it just wasn't... Uh, I was thinking of something else. I'm going to read the next like, one. I know. This is, it's a first-person shooter game thing, and I was like, I have no idea what the hell the name of the game is, that, or the movie is. Here's the next one. Right. The objective is recovering hidden information and returning to his world. The abilities are gaming, quipping, and frisbee. Uh, Abe. Abe. Tron. Tron is the correct answer. Flynn. Right. I wasn't sure if you're gonna go with Tron Legacy, but I figured that you wouldn't. <laughs> Why would anyone? <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> Given the choice. <laughs> Here's the next one. Getting the guy who killed his best friend is the objective. Shooting, mm-hmm. shooting, fighting, <laughs> and headshots. Getting the guy who killed his best friend? Some would say man's best friend. Um, Abe. Abe? John Wick. John Wick is the correct answer. I wouldn't have got it unless you gave me the man's best friend clue. I thought the headshots was going to give it away. At first I thought you were going to talk about... Uh, because I, I, I'd never seen it, but I was like, maybe he's talking about Last Action Hero? Oh. I was thinking, there wasn't that much shooting in Turner and Hooch. <laughs> and I couldn't get past that. I like that. Here's the next one. Driving the hell out of there. And we have driving, fighting, and intensely staring. <laughs> um, I'm going to guess here. Abe. Yeah. Mad Max Fury Road. That is correct. Boom, baby! How is that video game adjacent? It's one long car chase. It's got one objective. Okay. So it's the getaway. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a video game. It's driving. (laughs) It's burnout. It's Fallout 3 in cars. (laughs) Fine. Here's the last one. The objective is getting back to reality. Hmm. The abilities as noted in the film, are fearless, climbing, speed, boomerang, and smoldering intensity. Jay! Jay? Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. That is correct. And good points <laughs> for full title. Now, so we go back to our world. We're waiting for that one. 
<laughs> Bonus points for full title. It was a good job. Thank you. Still don't win. Nope, you do not. <laughs> Abe, you are the winner of this week's game. <laughs> Yay! Good job. That's Thank how you. you. That's game. how you. That's how you play. Unlock my avatar or game over, man. Did you write that game over ellipse, man? There's or a comma. It's a comma. Okay. Yeah. I was like, okay. I was like, I wonder how hard the beat that he wrote on there was. I just. It sounded like a semicolon. I'll be honest. Yeah, it, it sounded like an ellipse. It, it was close to semicolon, and then I backed up and put a comma instead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start. Let's start wrapping things up. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get to some out now. Presentations out now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week, and a few things. First up is Insidious: colon, The Last Key. I've heard terrible things about that movie. It's not great. Uh... <laughs> I don't intend to watch it. Okay. Next we have Father Figures. Uh, I don't intend to watch it. <laughs> that was that Ed Helms, Owen Wilson. Oh yeah, pass. Movie that got like dumped. <laughs> in theaters like last yeah with like terry bradshaw and and all those guys yeah Yeah, it was originally called bastards yeah it was called bastards yeah yeah the father figures uh next up ballers season three still on (laughs) (laughs) true (laughs) um now I i noticed this was up next on kino this week first we have the sixth man with marlon waynes and kadeem hardison and Celtic Pride with Daniel Stern and Dan Aykroyd. Got the basketball kid flicks out here this week. Celtic Pride. That was written this by Judd Apatow. Like str- <laughs> this isn't like a strong week for, for new re- for yeah. reasons. No, well, last week was like epic. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, this is some giant come down. Last week we talked about Akira Kurosawa. <laughs> last week had some like crazy good, good, I mean, he had Star Wars coming out last week along with so many other things. <laughs> this is like, all right, this stuff. Like the last thing What's I have, left? the last thing I have here is something called Sweet Virginia from Shout Factory. It stars John Bernthal. I have no idea what this is. Punisher's like, John Bernthal? Yes, Punisher's John Bernthal. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. that's that's what's out. Let's move on. Let's get away from out now. Let's go on to extremely cool. These things are now streaming on Netflix or Prime that I wanted to get into. Uh, first up is A Series of Unfortunate Events Season 2. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Season 1, but I've heard okay things. I heard, yeah, I heard good thing. I didn't watch it, but that's the one with Neil Patrick Harris's uh, Lemony Snicket. Yep. Or is it, no, he's not Lemony Sorry, it's, He's Count Olaf. Lemony Snicket. He's Count, right. yeah, I was going to say Count Sorry. Dooku. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Count Dooku, of course. Count Dooku is not Chocula. <laughs> Count Chocula, yeah. Count Chocula, yeah. He's trying to get those kids and his cereal. Chocolate <laughs> um, Let's see, something called The Titan, starring Avatar Sam Worthington, is on Netflix now. Are you for real? Yes. Because he was in, like, Wrath of the Titans and Attack of the Titans. So I was like, what? Well, he was on Clash of the Titans and Wrath of the Titans, so now he's just the Titan. Yeah, it's it's, the, it's his Logan, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be up for the best original. Oh, I'm now I have to look this up because I have no I have no idea what it's about. So now I need to look this up. Let me see. Let's see. I got it. Hold on. A military family takes part in a groundbreaking experiment of genetic evolution and space exploration. That did not go the, na- the way I was thinking it would go. <laughs> also featuring not what Taylor I was thinking it was going to be Wilkinson. either. <laughs> yeah, Taylor Schilling, Tom Wilkinson, Natalie Emmanuel from Game of Thrones. Uh huh. Noah Jupy, the kid that I like from things. From uh, <laughs> he's the one good thing in Suburbicon, and he's in uh, he was in Wonderstruck, not Wonderstruck, no, uh, Wonder, no, oh, just Wonder. Yeah, there's too many yeah. Wonder movies. I forgot which Wonder he was in. Wonder Wheel. He's in a Quiet Place uh, coming out next week. So, mm. Ty- the Titan. <laughs> All right, what else is out? Let's see. 
what is this one? First match. Why did I write that down? Oh, that's the one with the woman on the wrestler team. Wrestling team on Netflix now that I heard good things about. Okay. Um, and then I noted some other notable releases that are on Netflix. Let Me In is on Netflix now streaming. I can't like, tell if that's like, okay, is that the original? The, okay. Uh, that's the, the no, remake. that's the remake. Yeah. Okay. The remake is, or the original is Let the Right One In? Yes, because yes. it's a longer title and more complicated. That means it's not American. Got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's accurate. That's accurate. Uh, and speaking of nostalgia, the Iron Giant and Speed Racer on there on Netflix as well. Yeah, sure. Go see them. Uh, on Prime this week, I saw something called World's Craziest Foods. So I'm like, I have to write that down because that sounds funny. <laughs> <laughs> and also Escape from New York is on Prime as well. So Nice. Yep. That's a good movie. Next week, that was extremely cool. Next week's show, next week we'll be talking A Quiet Place. Shh. I was trying not to say anything, but you ruined it. I'm sorry. That's all I, I can't know. wait. Oh, no. No. no, no <laughs> oh, they already got Ali. <laughs> we did some clever editing to make it seem like he casually left the podcast but <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. That, that movie i've heard a lot of great things I'm, I'm excited to see it i saw it a couple days ago and i have thoughts and we'll get mm, to those okay. next week right. <laughs> um and last thing we do here what should people see now and what do you plan to see next jay what should people see in theaters right now ready player one seems like a good place to start i'd say yeah. <laughs> i'm not sure what else is out um I'd agree. But what, it's a good place to it's a good place to start. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it seems pretty good. Uh, what I'm going to see next, I'm hoping to see Isle of Dogs later on today. All right. Um, and if I don't get to that, the Hurricane Heist comes out Ooh. straight to TV in the UK this Friday. Dude, so like, yeah, recommend... it's coming straight to our version of HBO. Which well, is they, they say all dogs go to heaven, but it seems like England's going to heaven this Friday. That's what I'm hearing. I can't wait. Hurricane <laughs> Heist. Abe? Ralph Innocent. Ralph Innocent's great in the movie as Frustrated Boss Man. <laughs> Does he have his accent? Or is no, he, he plays American again. It's really annoying. Oh, yeah, it is annoying. <laughs> his accent is so good. Because I think of I think of him specifically from The Office, where he's like almost intelligent, unintelligible in the way he speaks in The Office. It's, yeah. <laughs> I'd also recommend Ready Player One. Go see that in theaters. And next, uh, A Quiet Place. Um, I would say Ready Player One, I would say The Death of Stalin, and I would say Isle of Dogs are all good bets. Um, oh, you good. can find one of those easy, more easily than others, although Isle of Dogs is spreading wider as the weeks go by. And um, the thing I'm seeing next, I'm seeing You never, you Were Never Really Here, the uh, Joaquin Phoenix uh, film from oh, uh, Lynn Ramsey. That's, uh, that's, that's getting some critical praise. Yeah, it's, it was like a hit at Cannes. Like, I think he won like Best Actor at Cannes last year or yeah. something like that. But uh, no, I've okay. been looking forward to seeing that one, and that's what I'm going to do. I second the Death of Stalin that came out here last oh, yeah. year. Yeah, I didn't realize that was in, in cinemas at the moment. But yes, go see the Death of Stalin. It's yeah, fantastic. it's just it finally hit in March in America. But man, that movie is so funny. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna do it for this week's episode about now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work at thecodezeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews over there. You can also find me writing, covering various TV shows at the We Live Entertainment, and you can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe. You can find more of my stuff over at Oakley Doakley on my Instagram and Twitter.com slash Smooth hashtag take on me. <laughs> Jay Clue, where can people find more of you online? Uh, my podcast is The Lambcast. Find me on Twitter at Lambcast and the large association of movie blogs. If you have a movie blog and would like to be part of our of the Lambs community, then find us at largeassmovieblogs.com. All right. <laughs> well, Jay, thank you very much for joining us this this, this morning for you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. It's it's, it's almost time to not bother going back to bed. So. <laughs> no, you should. That's, you how, should. that's how we do it on this podcast. Yeah, it makes you gotta get a little cat nap in there. 
<laughs> no, uh, good to have you on. Good to have Ali Matu back on as well. Be sure Thanks, to check Ali. out. We'll put all, all the links to your guys' stuff in the show notes. But yeah, feel free to check out the Lambcast. That's a good, fun podcast as well. Yeah. And Ali has a solid uh, YouTube show that you should uh, check out for sure. Um, and you can find all the other episodes of our podcast over on iTunes as well as on Audio Boom. Uh, you can also listen to our old stuff over at SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HWLD. Feel free to email us any thoughts you may have had on Ready Player One or anything else we discussed today over at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. And let's get back at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast, or tweet us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, you can send us plenty of gifts of all things DeLorean-related over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com, specifically if there's DeLoreans of clowns inside of them. Make sure to send those to Abe specifically. <laughs> That's a weird mix. <laughs> Clown piloted DeLorean. Send those to Abe. Okay, so once again, thank you, Jay, for joining us. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for having me. Thank you, listeners, for listening to our nonsense for the past couple hours, and we'll be back next week to talk extra quietly about A Quiet Place. So until next time, until then, so long. And goodbye. I was about to say we are now recording. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do the whole show over here. Yeah. And uh, joining us tonight to discuss Ready Player One, we have... Oh, fuck, I didn't write the thing. Is it Brain Knows Better? <laughs> yeah, you can do Brain Knows Better or The Psych Show. The Psych Show is probably better. I'll do The Psych Show. That's what I, I, yeah. I, was, I meant to... I have a blank here where I was going to write that. <laughs> I forgot to, I to edit. <laughs> From nothing is Ali Batu. <laughs> do it again <laughs> from the state of new york all right okay. <laughs> the void okay <clears throat> you know mark rylance is hit and miss sometimes he was great on that bridge of those spies as what aaron would say he's great on that piece he's great he's where he wore that hat he wore that he wore that wig he, and ready player one he did that he did that poster that picture of himself <laughs> he, he hid that easter egg <laughs> three of them <laughs> and mark rylance <laughs>